Okay, before we get started with this brand new episode for season two, I wanted to quickly remind you that the JMC website is up and running courtesy of my man, Jose Garcia of Odd Curious. JMCpod.com is the website. Check it out. I have all of my interviews right there to listen to. I'm also starting a blog journal section. I'll be sharing some in-depth thoughts. Also, a merchandise section coming very soon. And of course, please show me some love. I have a support section. It'll take you to my bio. Buy me a coffee page, throw me five bucks, I might mess around and buy a coffee. I love you guys. Thank you so much. JMCPOD.com. know what you're gonna say i know i already know don't waste time on a long ass intro felix felix we ain't got time to hear those long ass intros felix just get right into the damn episode felix we're excited for this episode please don't waste time talking on a long ass intro for this episode i hear you i don't want to waste time i want to get right into it because the man that I'm interviewing for this next installment of JMC needs no introduction, but I'm gonna give it to him anyway. I got to speak with Will Blaisdell, AKA Willie Blaze. Look, man, every episode I've done is a step in the right direction, and this one is a frog leap in that same direction. I'm excited because the content in this episode, the conversation that Will and I had is exactly what we're aiming to do in this podcast. It's a three hour long conversation. We talk about so many things. Will has so much shit to fucking say that I did not want to interrupt the brother. And, and this is no bullshit, there's... 99.9% of the conversation left in the episode. There's hardly any editing, um, which I've never done. So I'm excited, okay? And I'm not going to waste any more time. So let's get right into it. I hope you've used the bathroom. I, I hope you've got yourself a beverage, a snack, I hope you put yourself in a position where you do not have to be interrupted for three hours. Three hours. This is the best thing right now in your life. Okay? Just tell your loved ones, sorry, but. Just tell your work, sorry, but. Okay? JMC comes first right now. I need your undivided attention. This is Will Blaisdell's journey, and this is episode 47. Let's go. Triple L, lips like lotion. It's strictly shade, but a conversation spoken. As we make sweet love atop this red velvet ocean. I ain't one for boasting. Shit, I'm just trying to figure out why we still coasting in slow motion. When we could be up there floating. Hold up, let me switch the flow up. I'm dedicated to the love we found. It takes a special heart to put it down 
And while I listen to your words, your body and your curves make it harder not to get it right. Now I ain't stressing these other guys, but it's no wonder why you got me living up in crazy town while you fluttering by like butterflies. So come, my lady. Minimalism is the approach if it works. Man. You understand what I mean? I realize that like going to studios and whatnot. Because I remember as a kid, you know, if you paid for studio time, especially like we're playing in bands. Yeah. And you went to the highfalutin room with the big productions, like great big live room, all kind of shit going on in the racks and, you know, walls of amps and stuff like that. It's But the funny thing is, is that like, the first record that I ever was on that like was mass distributed across America and like the first band I ever like toured with yeah, was recruited on Apple Logic. Oh, for a real goddamn guitar processor yeah, with program drums. Like it did everything in my basement. So at the end of the day, it's one of the things where I've been to studios to where I'll get the end result back, even mastered. And I'm like, mm. what is this tin can shit? Like you would think that something that big, but then, you know, I've had incredible quality stuff just done out of somebody's bedroom. So at yeah. the end of the day, I guess how I equate it with this is that if you found something that works. Oh, that's what I'm doing. I, I was about to say. Now, granted, if the other things are going to get you a better end result, then cool. But if not, yeah, pff, ain't no sense in all that, you know? Yeah, it's, it really comes down to just uh, I'm getting it done and I'm happy with the end result. Right. I just know like for the ease of editing purposes and eventually – uh, you know, to get multiple people in a conversation because I can only do two people, me and, right. and one guest. So it is what it is. It works out. Um, but thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining me. First of all, yeah, I, and uh, I appreciate you um, stopping by because a lot of people you know they they don't know me and they don't want to come by and then it's, it's like I got to sell it. So I appreciate you <laughs> taking the chance because one of the things that that you that you mentioned to me and, and it kind of stuck with me when when I was prepping for this interview you were like you were on board but you were like I want to I just want you to be aware and, and I was I was curious about that because I didn't I I understood what you were saying right. but I was curious as to what you have experienced that made you want to preface that with that statement, be well, care. I, you, uh, for those that are listening, you were saying, I don't know if you want me on there because uh, quote unquote, I'm considered this and you, and right. you just want to be, you wanted me to be aware of that. Um, I'm an outlaw biker and uh, you know, I'm a one percenter and you know, so in the eyes of the law enforcement government and society, I'm considered a gang member. Yeah. And, uh, I can sit here and try and dispute that all I want, but you get to a point where you're just like, okay, yeah. you know what I mean? I know in my head what it is. and uh, But I think that's kind of where the you know the, the preface came from because in my mind I know that a lot of what you do has, you know, ties with, you know, community activism and different things like that. I love seeing what goes on, you know, with all this like the TCP network and all that stuff. I think it's awesome, but I also know that like, I'm probably not. I'm probably not the poster child for that image. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if you know some people that you associate with are like you interviewed that guy. But it's awesome. You know what I mean. But I'm also not out here like trying to break any kind of stigma. There's yeah. there's certain shit that I don't like. You know what I mean. That like, I don't like when like white supremacist stuff gets tied in there too. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like you know I I get it. 
there's like symbolism that's part of traditions and stuff like that and it's and I can sit here and go to the pulpit all I want sure, and be like yeah. I'm in a interracial motorcycle club you know what I mean yeah. we have plenty of black and Spanish members who like you know or, or, but at the end of the day it just makes me look like I'm trying too hard so yeah. for me you just get to a point where you're just like I don't really care I don't really care what society thinks but that said I think that's why I said that because I would I, I was looking forward to coming to talking to you yeah but I'm just, I'm trying to be conscious of shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not out here trying to sell nobody on something, but I'm not mm-hmm. trying to tarnish no one else's image either. Yeah. You know what I mean? I said that with TJ, you know, shout out to my brother TJ. You yeah, know, when TJ he had that, Griffin. When yeah. he, uh, just a great, been one of the best guys I think I've ever had in my life. Um, Really looked out for me at one point, uh, 10 years ago now, when I needed it the most. And I uh, just always been a good dude regardless of what sides of the fence we both exist on, sure, you know what yeah. I mean? But at the end of the day, um, when he had hit us up, hit me up about uh, the extra give event that they yeah. did in town, the charity thing, and you know, that's when all the muckety mucks come in out and, and uh, when he had said like, I want, you know, you and, you know, guys from you and your crew to come out and I was like, are you sure? Yeah, I was there that night. Uh, exactly, I and I yeah. said, are, are you sure that that's something that you want? And he said, no, I want people from all walks. I don't want just the Manheim Township white people to come out to spend money i want those people to come in the room and see that we can have you know people like them and you know people from the the, the proverbial gutter so yeah. to speak and at the end of the day so i i had a blast doing it but i was but one of the things he had said was he was like i welcome any negative press i dare anyone to try and combat that you know us having you guys there and whatnot so when I brought that back to a handful of the guys, you know, in the Lancaster chapter, because I don't live out here anymore, but I reached out to the Lancaster guys and was just like, and a whole big group, yeah, and, you know, RTG brothers came out and it was just, uh, it was a great time. But I, but I was very like, I'm not trying to tarnish no, no yeah, one else's yeah, image yeah. because I, because I think I admire when I see y'all doing what you're doing, you know, so there's such a nobility in it. You know what I mean? When I'm over here, essentially like, I don't think I'm doing necessarily the opposite, but I know I'm not like contributing to any cause or helping for that matter. So it's just, I think that's where I'm at. I just try and be conscientious of other people. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think it's when you, when you're close to something, you can't see the trees from the forest. You don't, like you may not know that you're, that, that you're contributing or not. You may not think you are, but sure. just like, uh, and obviously I, I want to get into it. There's many different hats that you're wearing and and following you on social media has been pretty dope for me because I have seen multiple facets of you and you. and but it's never been like it's always been authentic it's never I've never felt like you were trying to be something you just I can't uh, be anybody but myself yeah, yeah but can't. you but you breathe that it's you're very authentic and um when when I was at I was at the Lancaster Cigar Bar last year during the Extra Give, and I remember seeing you. That's when I saw you, and I was like, I know this cat. He looks familiar, and I started following you. I thought it was dope seeing you all there, um, taking pictures up front. There was a cause you were there representing, um, but I can also understand understanding that okay there's a stigma here and i get it but i'm drained i'm i'm if i'm going to keep putting energy into explaining myself i'm taking energy away from right from the people that right need it i'm assuming that that's well you also on a side on that point you you kind of have to get to the point where you realize like if you call yourself an outlaw you know you are willingly accepting the title of you know society's cast aside yeah you know what i mean you 
you don't abide by the same rules and codes and, and doctrines that society, regular society follows. And, you know, when you really, really grasp that concept, it's just one of those things to where it, I think that I did at first, the first couple of years, because I've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, How long have <clears> you been doing it? I started hanging around nine years ago. Okay. Fully patched in six. Okay. You know what I mean? So nowhere near the time length that some of, you know, the, the gray hairs have, but, you know, but long, sure, long but enough to where, you know, I have newer guys turn to me yeah. for, you know, the council. But, uh, and I've been in leadership and everything. And it's just one of the things where I think the first couple of years I was very like, you know, because I still have some, I have friends on all sides, but I still have some real like progressive left leaning friends sure. and whatnot who are just like, man, isn't that this or isn't that that? Or, you know, God forbid you Google search, you know, the name of, of my club. And of course, everything, the first thing yeah, that, yeah. that was like, you know, I, uh, you know, attempted to date, um, semi recently. And I remember like just having conversations with girls and they'd be like, what's, uh, what's one percent mean? Cause I have a tattoo on my face and, and uh, and I, I give them like the, the three words or less explanation. Like ah, you know, there's the bikers that that you know try and say like, now nah, bikers get a bad rep. It's, it's a bad image. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you know, the, there's you know, and then there's the ones who are the actual bad guys. I was like, that's, that's I'm assuming us. that's the that's okay, yeah. Gotcha, so that's yeah. what you know. Um, like oh okay, you know, and you know, and then they'll ask the name of the club and. And I'll give it to them and they'll Google it and they'll be like, oh, because the first things that pop up and I'm like, well, did I mention I'm a really good cook? You know what I mean? I try, I, I try and like reel them in, but it's just at the end of the day, I'm like, look, you know, if that's a deal breaker, I, and I get it too. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not what you want. But I, I really tried to kind of fight that for the first couple of years. But after a while, when you just really acknowledge like the best, the best people that I have in my life, most all of them, I still have a handful of day one people yeah. who I will never stop associating with. I'll never stop loving. I'll never stop being there for them. But undoubtedly the best people that I, that I have in my life that I will ever have in my life come from this. Yeah. Come from, you know, and not just from my club, but from other nations that we have relationship with. And gotcha. at the end of that, you know, that I, me building bridges and everything, it's kind of like my role in the mix that this has brought me, the best people in my life to where I think it's also one of those things to where it's a very full circle thing. You don't even have to be in a brotherhood or, you know, an outlaw organization to realize. I think most people, when they get to a certain age and a certain maturity level, they realize I have everybody in my life that I need. Mm. When you have your partner, your family and your core group of people who that is your family, then you have everyone that you need. So anyone who comes beyond that is just a welcome addition. Yeah. But you're not necessarily out there searching for, you know what I mean? Because right. everyone wants their soul tribe. Everyone deserves that. And you're kind of, it's beating into your head when you come into this. That like, the guys who come into this for the right reasons. There's guys who come into this for the wrong reasons. Okay. You know, for the, you say they say the three Ps, you know, pussy, power, protection. Gotcha. Okay. And you're always going to have that. But at the end of the day, and those guys will always weed themselves out in due time. Fair enough. Um the guys are in it for the right reason. They're looking for their soul tribe. The uh, the the family that they've always desired but have never had. You know what I mean? So I think that when you really get to that point where you acknowledge this brotherhood has given me, I mean, yeah, things happen and it causes a lot of stress and strife, but 
it's given me so much good sure. that like I don't really have to try and sell it to anybody outside of this. We all know what it is, and and I, that's kind of where I know that was like a long winded no, response no, no, to your but question. I'm, I'm but picking yeah, it up, yeah, yeah, for real. And and you said a couple words. You said leadership. You said counsel, and so I immediately started recognizing this as as what you're explaining is it's it's a brotherhood and it's obviously something that you just don't flip a coin and you're like all right well i'm gonna do this today you obviously no. when you're when you decide to buy in and be it and live it and breathe it it's it's got to be something that you're very passionate about and it's it's a family it's not just friends it's a brotherhood and you oh, used yeah. that word several times already yeah yeah there's uh no i have actual brothers like, like, yeah, I, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I have four brothers. Shout out to my brothers. And I'm, I'm sure it might bother them a little bit to hear me refer to so many different men as my brother. I don't, they've never expressed that to me, but like. I think it, it makes it sense though. It no? does. It doesn't make, it doesn't mean that I love. No, but my, I mean, it makes action. sense to yeah. call somebody that you love a brother, even though you're not related. Of course. I have a, you know, you always hear the, the sayings, you know, uh, you don't have to be blood to be family. You know, we've all heard that growing up, but yeah, I really. Somebody, you know, but then I heard another one the other day to where it was, uh, you know, blood relation is just that. It just it just makes you related. Your family is is who you choose. Mm. So you have your wife. You guys have kids. correct? You have your kids and you have your core group of people. Now, you may simply refer to them as your friends, your boys, whatever the case is. But in theory, that's your family. Yeah. You know, anybody whom you call and is willing to go out of their way for you at a a further extreme than what a normal person would, that's your family. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's just, uh, I had such an odd family dynamic growing up. You know what I mean? I'll I'll spare you that nonsense. And the point is, it's just like. It's not nonsense. But it's, you know, but we ain't got enough time in the world for all that. But I'm saying, (laughs) but we, uh, no, it's just, it's one of the things where, is that where you you found yourself yeah. looking for the soul tribe? Is yeah, because well, like, and it, Lord strike me down. I'm not going to come up here on the podcast and throw a bunch of shade on my father. You know what no, I mean? No, like, no, in no, theory, yeah. he's a good dude. I just you know we're not close. But my dad is very kind of like you want to talk about the polar opposite of me. You know, you would never you would see the two. I, I tell people like I've seen him a ton in the last couple of years, but like. Um, it's been times where, you know, I've I've been out somewhere with him, bumped into a brother of mine. I introduced and brother would tell me later, Jesus, man, I thought that was your fucking P.O. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, gotcha. because it's just you would never know. And uh, but my dad is very he's a very normal, everyday guy. He's he's very like, you know, the police are your friends. Um, yeah. If. If laws exist, they exist for a reason. You don't break the law. What's right um, is right. What's wrong is wrong. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, and I, I can't like throw shade at him for that because that's what a normal person thinks. I'm just not a normal person, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I'm not going to call someone a piece of shit for that, but I just know in my mind where I exist. Yeah. And it's, it's one of them things where I think that having such a distinct, I don't know. Just there's, there was such a, a paradigm shift between the two of us that you know I got into drugs at a young age because um, I think a lot of that was just kind of filling the the weird Fair. void there in that situation. And that's you know I I had my own spiral. You know everyone has their own personal rock bottom. I had mine. 
you know. So I started it, it, my the, the precursor to my active addiction was about ten years old, and then it ended up right before my seventeenth birthday sobered up, and I've been sober ever since. Okay, um, and. Yeah, so I just had 16 years on September 5th, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that to brag or nothing, but that was, but the point is, is that's good. And then, but after that, immediately, yeah, you know, I didn't like get sober and go to church. It was like, you know, I had so much pent up anger, yeah, and and then I took to the street thing. I never jumped off the porch with nobody, but you know, I was always around, and and uh, I just wasn't finding what I was looking for doing the street thing. You know, there just seemed to be a lot of a lot of uh, disloyalty. It was a lot of uh, talk with no follow through yeah. or it would be, you know, anyone can do, well, anyone who has half a set of stones can go out and do the tough guy shit. But like brotherhood's about so much more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can have someone who's cockstrong who, you know, do X, Y, and Z for you. But something as simple as, you know, Hey man, I'm running late for work and you pick my kids up. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, three AM, I'm thirty miles down the road, man, and I'm I'm stuck. Or just little stupid things like that. And it, and it's you know, there there's no follow through when it comes to that, but it's just the, the you know, right. the, the dark stuff. It's more than just the dark stuff. And I think the point is is I, I didn't I didn't have the family dynamic, but I was always searching for that. Gotcha. And I was searching and all and I and I knew that where my philosophies and, and thoughts lied and I I wasn't finding it elsewhere. But I remember growing up and and I never I never like was around bikers. My mom, when she her and my dad divorced at a very young age, I was about six years old, she ended up dating a biker not long after. And I was just enamored by this guy. Mm. He was the coolest motherfucker out there. I can curse on this. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was the coolest fucking guy. Um, man, he and he had just a, a group of dudes. And man, every weekend they would just ride off on the sunset swim in the river, camp out. Like, they they, they lived it. They were, you yeah. know, just old school, never affiliated with nothing, but you know what I mean? They were just, uh, um, they're just old school dudes, man. And I and I loved it. And he was cool. He was a mailman, you know. He wore Ray-Bans <laughs> before they were cool. Like, yeah. it was, he, was, he was the shit, man. And uh, he was the opposite of what my dad was. Gotcha. And I was very enamored by that. And I think that's where the, that's where the intrigue came from. And then as time went on, and you know, but I, but I always grew up. See, I, I grew up in Columbia. You know, I bounced between Columbia and the city my whole life. And uh, our, our clubhouse has historically always been just outside of Columbia. So, growing up, I would see the packs go rolling by, and it would just excite me. I didn't know why, because again, I didn't grow up around bikers. Yeah, um, I didn't dress that way. At the time, I didn't. I didn't really necessarily know what it was, but it was just something that you know. It would just make the hair on my neck stand up. It was just something so fucking cool about them guys. I didn't know what it was, and not even so much all bikers. Immediately, the yeah. guys with the diamond on their chest. You know, they got like the the, the outlaw bikers. Okay. And uh, not that I would discredit the guys that I would see riding by or the ninety nine percent guys, but but you know the 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 guys who were the real deal. It was something about that, and then. I think that when I was trying to find my footing doing the street thing, I just, I you know, and, and I won't go into great detail, but there was a situation that had happened where one of the guys that I had been carrying on with, uh, I think it was something where he, he ended up, uh, he ended up 
I think he was kicking it with the with the daughter of mm-hmm. one of my now gotcha. you know brothers gotcha. who he's long since retired, but this is this is a bad motherfucker. And uh I don't know if the the dude just came out the side of it. He did something, but he got spanked for it. You gotcha. know what I mean? And okay. so he came back to the powwow. We were all in the backyard. It was on Beaver Street somewhere. And I remember he was just like, Yeah, these fucking guys, you know, these fucking I'll never forget. He he was lit up, you know, these fucking white boys, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And we all talk about it. And then again, and, and I'm being very conscientious about not saying my club name on the line, but like he said, I don't know, he's some kind of and he said the name. Yeah. And I'll never forget it with the old heads were off to the side playing cards. Mm-hmm. You know, these were the guys that, you know, like, you know, they were the big homies. Gotcha. And all of a sudden, their card game stopped. They said, whoa, 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 you know what I mean? And and it was basically, without repeating what they said, they were like, hey, you need to leave that alone. Yeah. And these dudes right here, you know, without incriminating anyone, um, these dudes were, were about the realest dudes that I had ever known, confirmed, certified. So I'm over here like, man, you motherfuckers ain't afraid of nobody, but yet, you know, this dude, as soon as he mentioned that name, you were like, hey, 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 you know, like, you need to reel that in. And, uh, and the dude wouldn't let up, oh. and and they and they were like, "Listen, you need to stop, you know." And, and they shut him up and basically said, "There's more to history out here than you realize," and uh, you know, you you need to leave them dudes on the bikes alone. Speaking about the club that I'm in now, and that just fucking opened the door for me to where I'm like, "What is it about these yeah. guys?" And I'll never forget. It was probably shortly after that. Um, probably could have been a couple weeks later. I was living on South Queen Street. And I remember walking out and it was, it was early, it was probably early spring. So it was just when it started to get nice outside. So the block was jumping, you know gotcha. how that shit go yeah. in the city. And it was jumping like everybody's outside, kids, families. It You know, you, you could have damn near shut the street down, called a block party. Everyone's on the stoop. And I remember walking, there's a little corner store just before Dominion. It's not a corner store. It's like, yeah, uh, they do the good sandwiches. And I remember I was coming out of there and uh, I heard the rumble of the pack come pulling up Queen Street. It was coming from the southern end and they were riding through the city. Wasn't even a big pack, it was six guys. You know, but we all have aftermarket performance shit on our bikes, so at the end of the day, like, it's loud, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a, a name that we refer to that as, you know, uh, the, our club name, Thunder. Gotcha. That, that's the Thunder, you know what I mean? And uh, it was six guys, and I'll never forget, and my then soon-to-be mentor was leading the pack, and I remember I'm just standing outside, and it was just like this whole block was outside and when that happened it's like everyone just tightened up just mm-hmm. a little bit but it wasn't just fear it was respect dudes was on the on a grown dudes was standing on the stoop when they seen that they, they hey you know they threw yeah. their fist up because of the history yeah like that i mean if you do half a bit of research you realize that the the history that you know especially when it comes to lancaster lancaster pennsylvania and i remember just seeing that and I had just recently had that experience sure. from a couple of weeks prior with that shit. So now I'm intrigued. And it was like the definitive moment where they parked. I was standing right there on the corner by Dominion and they've parked at the red light and they're, and they're just, and I remember my then my, what would be mentor. He looked over at me and he just kind of like gave me the head nod. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, I still tell that story and I get the hairs. It gives me chills because my I remember that, standing was, up listening that, to was, dog. that was the moment right there where I was just like, I had never even touched a damn motorcycle in my life. I said, I'm a fucking outlaw biker. Wow. I, it, it was, we all have these, I call them the aha moments throughout our life. Yeah. Like when you meet the love of your life, when you know you have your first kid and you realize like my life has just changed for the better. All these things, that was an aha moment for me too. I was like, I've been looking 
my whole life for my soul tribe. And that right there is what I'm meant to be. And I'm going to be that. And it wasn't but a couple years later, um, in my early 20s, I started working at the Chameleon Club. You yeah. know, and half of the door staff yeah. there was the bros. And, and, and that guy who gave me the head nod, you know, he he was one of the guys that worked there, and he took me under wing, and that's been that has one of the best, one of the baddest dudes I've I've ever known in my life. You know what I mean? Um, took me on my first hand. For he just he just every everything he's done, and I, but I I will never forget that that just conscious moment of you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I think I would equate that to like, you know, even the time where I would before I ever picked up a guitar. Yeah, as a youngster, and just you know, and just realizing like I'm gonna be a fucking rock star one day, and never having played the instrument. That was that. I never rode a motorcycle in my life. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know, let alone even a dirt bike. And that was that moment when I realized I was just like, I'm gonna be a one percenter one day. It's and, very you know, cinematic the way you like the way you, you're telling the story. I'm assuming because I you run had it, that I run aha it back moment. Like a movie, yeah, movie it, it, it's it's. It, that when I said the hairs were standing up on my arm, because I was like, "Yeah, I I can understand when you when you mentioned you said you know the the, the street thing, the guys just weren't really. I I was uh, uh, equating that to the there's a there's a code, and and there's no honor, there's no code, there's no there's no order. Is that is that part of the brotherhood that you're having now? There's there's a respect. And there's a code and there's a, there's honor, but this isn't something that you take lightly. Is that is that what you feel like? This is what I'm looking for that that structure. Yeah, because I needed that discipline yeah. in my life. I needed that structure. I needed, I needed that. Um, and it's not even. And there's so many guys who are like independent bikers who are just maybe they would be qualified to be here. Okay, you know, they might be tough enough, or they might have the still whatever the case is, the heart. But they're just like, oh, I don't like getting told what to do. And it's just like, I don't, you know, like, I don't, do you think that I just get bullied around every day? Yeah. No, it's not the case. It's just the fact is, is that if I have a good enough leader, I'm willing to follow that man to the grave. And that's, right. that, that's why, you know, I, I, I did what I did for the state of Louisiana. And I'm still able to go down to Louisiana and be treated and, but not just treated as a leader, but respected as a leader because. Yeah. I did what I could to run the program the way that it needed to be run, not for my sake, not even for the nation's sake, but even just for those guys in general and laid a foundation for them. And there's a reason why they lean on me to this day when it comes to that, because, you know, they would be willing to follow me to the end of the earth as I would for them, too. It's not a one sided thing. It's two sided. And the point is, is there's something about having that. And, and I think that structure, um, that certain level of discipline is also too what helps to know that like if I see now you know there's goofballs that slip through the cracks I'm sure. not gonna lie to you yeah, every, yeah, yeah. every organization can say that you know even the ones that don't like us you know they're all guilty of it the point is is that I know that if I see somebody wearing the same patch as me there's a damn nine out of ten chance that that man had to go through the same process I did and he is built of the same ilk mm -hmm. and cut from the same cloth that I am. He embodies the same beliefs and principles that I do. Therefore, I am inherently inclined to call him my brother. You know what I mean? And I think that there's something so necessary because like I said, I didn't see that 
Like, for example, like when I told you about being in that little backyard barbecue doing the street thing when the dude came in, how I said we were all powwowing over here and the old heads was playing cards with dominoes at the table. That was what the dynamic was. There was no in-between. It was just like yeah. there wasn't. Now, am I saying that every street organization is like this? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Am I saying that every MC is military discipline structured? No. Some is very loose. But the point is, is that dynamic that I had over there was it was just the youngsters acting up, yeah. doing the case. And the old head, the OG guys, you know what I mean, who had done done their time, you know, in the state of the feds. And, you know, the ones who were essentially in charge of grooming us and building us, the youngsters, just weren't doing it. Okay. It was just, it, it just seemed to be like such a dynamic. There was no, the, I, like, I, I equate that like with my experience coming into the MC. See, I hung around for, I only hung around for three years before prospecting because I didn't have a bike. Okay. And they were just like, man, you know, you're going to be the forever hang around, dude. We can't do nothing <laughs> with you without a bike, you know? And, you know, and I was going on missions as a hang around, but it was just one of them things where I did it. But it was such a, it was a valuable time because, but man, all throughout hanging around and prospecting, you know, I'm very fortunate to come from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where, you know, this is highly regarded as the motherland, central PA in Jersey, you know, like, you know, because we were founded in Maryland. Okay. But the the main hub would be central Pennsylvania and Jersey, but we're all over the country. You know what I mean? Um, but the point is, is Lancaster, Pennsylvania is such a historic mecca for our club that, man, I mean, three, four t- days out of the week, I'm surrounded by the the gray-haired dinosaurs like the, I call them the bricklayers the guys I, I have a theory that they're the guys who laid the bricks to the foundation that we stand on today yeah. the guys who wrote the damn book um, the reason why there is such a uh, um, a fear but also a genuine respect of this patch is because of their efforts and, and you know and uh, just the countless just the wild things that yeah. have to take place to do that and the point is is that I'm around these guys three four days a week and it's Hey kid, come here. Hey kid, or when I was prospect, hey prospect, come here. I say yes, sir. You know what else they'll say? Hey, did anybody ever tell you about? And they'll, they'll they'll drop a gem in your ear. And I've been and in all that time, I was blessed with so many gems of wisdom that I, to this day I still uphold. Like when you're prospecting, you know, sure. If you go to shake a man's hand, you better get that glove off your hand if it's wintertime. If you go to shake a man's, if you go to look a man in the eye, you better take your sunglasses off your face. You know these little things like that. Um. When you're on your bike, you can have your cut buttoned up. When you're off your bike, leave that open. It's military discipline. It's a sign of respect. That way you can see it. You know what I mean? It, it's a, there's certain I little things you. that to this day I still apply those gems of wisdom that on the street side, I was never getting that. Now, again, I'm going to say, do I think that every organization runs it that way? Probably not. But I liked the fact that there was that structure. And also it showed me this is not like where other organizations or maybe what media perceives us to be. As these, you know, drug runners and gun yeah. runners and whatnot, which is also funny too, because I'd be a lot better off financially if I were true. But I'm saying, but I'm, obviously, my moral compass aside, yeah, I wouldn't be driving a Buick LeSabre if that was the case. But the point is, is, the point is, is I think that it's just, it's about the brotherhood first and foremost, and that right there showed me the fact that there were so many old timers that were just like, dude, if you're gonna be here and you're gonna wear my fucking patch. I need you to be as knowledgeable 
and his own point is possible. And the only way you're going to get there is if I show you. Yeah. You can never fault the student. You have to fault the teacher. Mm. That's life. You know what I mean? Because if you talk, you know, if, if somebody makes a mistake doing something that they hadn't been taught, how can you fault that person? You understand what I mean? And that's it. And it's it's our job as you know, every time, you know, your generation grows a little further into the you know, into the beyond. It's your job to groom the next wave and the next wave and the next wave. And that's what I just respected so much. You know what I mean? I need I needed that in my yeah. life. I, did. I, I think uh, as men, and when you mentioned your father, I have my own similar story. So I can understand and relate to that. Sure. To that, like, um, I'll never disrespect my father, but we clearly we're two different people and, and for whatever reason, I don't have his backing in my life. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I ever did to you piss st- you off. Do you still, do you, not to step on, ahead, point, no. but do you still, and how old are you now? You 40, I'm answer? 43. So at 43, do you still long for that? Or have you hit the point yet to where you're like, I, you acknowledge as long as my woman and my kids, yeah. know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Have you had that point? I have, yet I've, or had, not I've had that point, but I don't know if I'll ever not long for sure. it. I don't know. If that makes sense. I've definitely hit it where for the longest time I never did for the longest time. I was always like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking and I'm reaching and I'm trying. Uh, I think I got to the point where I was like, you know, um, I can't play that game anymore. Like I got kids and I got, they look up to me. I can't waste my energy. It's so draining. Yeah, energy. you know, because I don't want to, my kids remembering me trying to get my dad's attention. So I got that point, but I think I'll always leave that door open. But I, you know, sure. I know my dad, so I don't know that'll ever happen. But I brought that up because I think as men, we all long for some sort of mentor, a structure that comes from somebody that's setting the tone, setting the pace so that the gems that are being dropped, you want, you want them. You want to learn. You want, you want it. And so when you, when you told me that part, I was getting ready to ask, like, I'm sure through this process, you're just absorbing a lot of history, a lot of information, a lot of knowledge that to you is important. It's not just like, this cat just keeps talking. You just like this is important. This is history. This is this is the brotherhood. And we um, have a thing in our world that says that they they say all the time, the day that you feel like you know know it all is the day that you just hang this shit up. There you go. Always learning. Always learning. Always learning. Yeah. That's life in general. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to this. When when does I'm looking at what you're doing now, and and let me just name off a couple of things that when I first met you. Um, and it was at the chameleon. You were bouncing. You had the bouncing uh, situation going on. But I also knew you. You used to spit rhymes, did you not? Or do you still do? Oh, I'll never stop. Okay, but I, but yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember. Because <laughs> I remember when I would. I used to record at Soilo's place. Of course. Shout okay, out to, shout out to Soilo. Shout out to Soilo. Yeah. And um, and I remember. I remember you. I was like, you got bars. I said, he's got bars. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. But then you're also making music and you can sing and then you're also uh 
you also got a band or or you pl- you played in a band or or no like as a I did for many years yeah, yeah. well I was I, I I toured like I come from like my my biggest wheelhouse was always the hardcore scene yeah so metal hardcore punk you know what I mean that that type of stuff was was always my wheelhouse and uh hip hop was something I was passionate about but you know I I did some cool shit locally, you know, we put some cool music out, but I actually for many years with, you know, the hardcore thing and with, with playing in a, a handful of different bands, like toured the country, you know, yeah. and, you know, a lot of times part time, a couple times a year would do a noteworthy run. But like, you know, I was in a band from Bridgeport, Connecticut called Signs of Hope. I was probably the most noteworthy band I'd ever been in. And, and you know, they were eight month out the year on the road band, you know, so I, I got to tour full time. And you know we're not talking about rock star touring and tour buses and yeah. playing in big venues and staying in hotels. Now it's it's rough, but uh, but that was my life for so many years. And Christ, I mean, that's my first tour I ever went on was two. I just did it the other day. I was reminiscing. It was two thousand eight. It was fourteen years ago. So f- I've spent fourteen years consistently, um, being on the road. You know, playing dirty basements, thirty dudes beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Uh, Sleeping on concrete floor, floors and in Walmart parking lots, sardine in a van, having to chase promoters down for you know corner them for fifty bucks in gas money, you know, a- allegedly stealing food from gas stations and things like that. You know, like that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like it's just one of the things where it's like I- I've spent so much of that time doing that, and that come from playing heavy music. Um, Hip hop is always that was my first instrument was a pad and a pen. You know, I I picked up the guitar at thirteen. And uh, you know I'm not like toot my own horn, but that's um, I, I I do all right. I yeah. do all right with a six string. But the point is, is the pad and pen was my first instrument, and I'm a wordsmith. I'm able to do that. But I also I have I have such a passion for hip hop, but I also have a, such a passion for elsewhere. And you know, but my my biggest you know my big trio all growing up because you know I'm a country boy. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Um, I've always been, I never denied that about myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I've never been like one of them goofy identity identity crisis white boys, you know what I mean? It's, that's never <laughs> been my thing. I just, I've, I've always been been very proud because I call my, like my, my hip hop handle for the longest time, I'm Willie Blaze yeah. in my life. But you know, I would throw that, you know, white trash Willie Blaze thing around. And I remember somebody saying to me like, man, you know, like, why do you call yourself that? Cause I'm like, because it, you know, it, it takes, it takes a derogatory, out of it, you know what I mean. Yeah. That's why, you know, p- people of of all races and creeds, you know, they'll they'll do the same thing to essentially take sure. the power out of it. And there's something so cool about that. So I think that for me, it was just like it goes back to the MC thing, to where it's just like, why try and dispel things that you shouldn't be ashamed of? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I am a little fucking white trash. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's what yeah, it is. Yeah. So as a, so that was always kind of my thing. So I never denied being a country boy, you know what I mean? Um, but that's always been my big, you know, hip hop, heavy music and country has always been, you know, my, my biggest passions. But the thing was, I've been so boxed in with playing and finding some note where I wouldn't call it success because, you know, I'm not to this day eating off of it, but like at one time having some level of success with heavy music and, you know, doing some cool shit with hip hop. And I always imagined that, Success, because that's the ultimate goal for me. I've all that's that 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 will never stop. Yeah. If I haven't 
made it. And I know that making it is a loose term. You know, I don't need to be top 40 if I'm, if I'm able to just do it consistently and pay my bills off it. That to me is making it. But like, absolutely. And I, I, that's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It will happen. And, and that'll, that, that'll never die. I, I can feel it in my bones. But the point is, is I always just envisioned it would be either heavy music or hip hop. But it's, you know, both of those lanes are just so difficult and competitive. And, and I always love country music. I would, I, and ultimately, what I at some point in time throughout the years, I would love to. Uh, aside from whether I land a record deal or not, or just do it independently and find some success with that, you know, do that. But I would love to land a publishing deal at some point, even on the side, to be able to write music because that's not only that, but like that's how you get to, you know a good way to get your art out there but dude listen i can sit here and talk passion all we want oh, cuz i'm passionate of it but there's always going to be a desire for money you know i would like to be able to, a a point of financial comfortability to where you know i can be in a financial position of, of you know dream worthy capacity yeah. off of doing that and i acknowledge that to be able to spread the wealth is you know there's so much money in songwriting yeah and at the end of the day Oh man, listen, I I might not perform certain types of music. I might not be extra passionate about types of music, but listen, if Rascal Flatts want me to write their biggest yeah. fucking single, you know, if Rihanna wants, you know, three songs on her album, are you kidding me? I'll do that tomorrow. So that's, that's kind of where, so for me, I acknowledged that this music that I was still very passionate about, country, that's a big, you know, pop music and country music are the two biggest lanes when it comes to songwriting. Sure. You know, so many with when it comes to rock and hip hop and you know, with hip hop, there's the, the ghost writers. But the whole thing is there's that stigma of you don't want people to know. So it's like, uh, you know, you will be a ghost writer, but you have to accept the fact that you're going to write something for someone. They're going to get credit, but you're going to get money on the back. Yeah. End. Versus with pop and with country. It's just a. It's a welcome practice. Yeah, it's, it's not. A, it's not. A, it it yeah. is not a taboo thing. You know, right, oftentimes absolutely. you'll see these interviews with country artists or pop artists, and they'll say, the interviewer will say, "Tell me about this new big single," and they'll say, "Yeah, yeah." So you know, it was written by such and such, and yeah. when I heard it, it really resonated with me. It's not a taboo thing. No. So, you know, I'd always been like I said, always been a country fan, um, and was never overly passionate about writing it. So then when I realized, man, this is a big part of my dream, I started writing I am recording country music, but not with the intention of it being my music, okay. but with the intention of just like keeping it off to the side. But funny enough, I would share it with people that I was close with, not just country fans alike, but also people I was close with and say, hey, this is this is my songwriter stuff. I'm going to keep this on deck because then when the day comes and I get to have conversation with publishers, I can say, hey, by the way, I got, you know, and dog across the board everybody and their mom saying man why the fuck are you not just doing yeah. this like this is too good you know yeah. and 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 it's not even that this is some you know you selling out like doing something hokey man like this is you yeah i can hear this you know what i mean because you ain't no little surfer boy pretending to be country like right. you, know, you like this is you and i know what you're singing about when when i hear this or the one song or man when i heard the one song i i, I knew what you were talking about what you wrote about and you know, I, I kind of was just very, this was 2020. Yeah. And I was very boxed in with like, man, I just can't foresee myself. And it was not, do I want that on my image? No, it was more so like, well, you know, what happens if I go out there and I make myself 
a name as a country artist. And then I want to turn around, put some hip hop stuff out. I want to get back into playing heavy music or whatever. Is it going to be taken seriously? Is it this and that? You know, and I had this, you know, because that was that. I don't want to use the word fear, but that was that um, that complacent box that I put myself in with heavy music and with hip hop. And as time has gone on, um, I just don't care about that anymore. And yeah. then, man, when I see, you know, I, this, there's a country singer that I, I really took to. I discovered him earlier in the year. He's still relatively newer, but he's blowing up now. I'll say his name's Warren Ziders. Okay. And uh, real gruff voice, good looking dude. You know, I guess what happened was he blew up off TikTok just playing a, over COVID. He okay. was bored the house, started recording acoustic songs of him, you know, doing his shit. You know, I think maybe him being a good looking dude probably had something sure. to do with it, but his, his shit is incredible. And he posted this stuff, he blew up. And now he's doing it, but he's just great. But I discovered this guy and his damn record that he has out. It's called the 717 Tapes. And I'm like, Right, made the same face you did just now, and I said, and I said, well, maybe that's got to be coincidence. I said maybe that's uh, he recorded the record on July seventeenth or something, and that's what you know, or that's there's some kind of number reason why that number is. And I, you know, and I just and I got into him, and I got into him, and you know, then he'll put out a music video, and he's wearing a damn ball cap. It'll say seven lightning bolt seven, and I'm like. And I'll see, you know, in, in in certain other video, he's doing a clip show where it's just him signing autographs and seven lightning bolts say seven one seven is all over his shit. And I'm like, what is it with this? So I looked up this man's bio. This motherfucker's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Get the fuck huge, out. huge right now. And it made sense because I'm like, man, in the seven one seven area code, we all know when it comes to like, okay, so there's been successful artists. In damn near every genre to break from the 717. In metal music, we have August Burns Red, Texas in July. In rock music, we have fucking Fuel, Fuel yeah. live, live, Hailstorm. Sure. You know what I mean? Hailstorm is killing it right now. Um, in uh, in Latin music, in blues, hell, in um, even with hip hop, hasn't been a ton, but like um, there's people, people who have had some noteworthy shit. And even, uh, oh, what's his name? That Lil Skies kid. You know who's that? That that one. one, one he's one of them goofy little tattoo yeah, face yeah, rappers, yeah. but he's like huge now from fucking Chambersburg. Okay, Waynesboro, Chambersburg, and uh, so if you look at that, damn near every genre imaginable, there's been someone from the seven one seven who has has broke. But as ironic as it is, Central Pennsylvania, because seven one seven is a very big area code. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I live an hour and a half from here, and it's still seven one seven. It's you know it's big. The general populace from the seven one seven is country as hell. Yeah, you know that's why they, that's why they the, the joke about Pennsylvania. You know, I yeah. remember I, for people yeah. talk, you know because for, <laughs> yeah. for people who are listening to this who are not from Pennsylvania, there's a joke where they call this Pennsylvania. You hear this word Pennsylvania because there's a joke that Pennsylvania is Philly on one side, Pittsburgh on the other, and Kentucky in the middle. And <laughs> and boy, let me tell you, I live in Junietta County, Pennsylvania. So the point is, is that <laughs> there, there's more country music radio stations than anything else that yeah. you see. But it's wild to think that there's no other country artist that have broke. And man, when I saw that, that inspired me so much. I'm like, man, I've been writing a lot of shit that is really passionate to me that I've been able to express myself more so than damn near anything else I've I've done. And it's country as hell. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm like, nah, I want to be the next guy from the 717 to put on. I, I want to. I want to be able to say that I don't want to be one of these people to move elsewhere. Like I still spend a lot of my time in Louisiana. I, know what you I mean still have that. my ties to Louisiana, but 
I still, even when I lived in Louisiana, I still claim Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, I would never shame to that. And I want to be the next person from the 717 to break in the country. See, that's what I want to do, man. You know what he, I mean? Well, even the song you sent me today earlier. And all these country-ass scars over country-ass hearts. Girl, you had to find your way to my Like that to, I fucking loved it. But then what <laughs> happened was I played it again. Like I played it a couple hours at work and I'm working. And what pissed me off is I, I can only keep one earbud in. So oh, I was like, God shit. damn, okay. I want to, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was really good. And you played every instrument on that. Is that what you said? That's, I do. Yeah. And I and I had to brag on that too because you have when, to, though. when that composition came together, yeah. Well, that's that's always been my thing. It's so good though. It ain't like Thank oh, you, I can tell Thank he's you. playing the drums, or I can tell it's just a very very good fucking song. I always wanted to be when it comes to instruments. I always I never desired to be the greatest guitar player of all time. I, I like to think I'm pretty damn good at what I do, but I never wanted to be that virtuoso. I never cared to be that guy. All I cared about was every instrument imaginable when it comes to rock the the basis of rock music and rock encompassing everything metal all that stuff yeah is drums bass guitar and i want to be just good enough at all those things to where i could sit behind every one of them instruments and convince you oh shit he's a drummer yeah or, oh he's a bass player Oh, guitar is my main instrument, but I like to think I'm just good enough at all those things to where like, like I could play drums in the band tomorrow if I wanted to. I yeah. could play bass, and that's why. So if I'm able to do it all, and I have the sound in my head, yeah, why not? Why why pay someone else to do right. it when I could just do it myself? Right, and that I mean? I mean that's such an eclectic, um, and that word eclectic comes to mind when I'm thinking about the music you're making, but also like you're not just dabbling because you're curious. It it's authentically coming from you thank you the music that you're making different kind how, where did the the eclectic was there your, your upbringing were you listening to obviously all different kinds oh, of yeah. music consistently my um you know i equate a lot of that uh to just what i was around because i because th- it's funny too because i think i think growing up in columbia you know and you're from here but like i said for anybody listening um Columbia small town here in Lancaster County. Um, but it, it's it's kind of like, you know, and, and it, well, the funny thing is growing up, like everyone talks so much shit sure. on Columbia, Scumbia sure. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah it had yeah. a reputation. I get it. But the point is, is that like, but I love that though. I loved just how, not only how diverse it was too, because that, that attributed a lot to my upbringing. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, you sort of, it, it sounds so corny to say because I've always been myself a country ass white boy, but I always love when somebody would be like, yo, you got a little flavor on you. And yeah. oftentimes I'll be like, I don't fucking know where. <laughs> I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm not going to deny that, but it also made me realize, like, oh, okay, that tends to happen when you grow up around everybody. Yeah. But there's not like a, 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 a sincere, um, uh, wall between, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's just a very blended situation. I think that's why I love I love Louisiana as much as I did because like way, every, man, you would think. Oh, I thought I thought it was gonna be like burning crosses everywhere when I went down there. Yeah. I'm like ah, oh, but phew, 
everybody fucks with everybody down there. Nice. Even people who have some backwards ass opinions, even some of my type sure, folks who, who sure. might have some backwards opinions <laughs> are still like, it's like the black dude who lives down the street is their their fishing buddy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, it, you know, it a lot of it just don't make sense, but to country folks in the small town America, it makes all the sense in the world. And I think that's for me is like having that. So I say all that because being around, obviously being around hip hop, uh, growing up in Lancaster County, being around a lot of Spanish music, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's a, I, I love being able to tell people that because when people, it, they'll, I tell people from elsewhere, like I'm from, I'm from, I'll say Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. You know, and or Lang, if I talk about Lancaster, they'll be like, "Oh, you mean like like Amish country?" I say, "Well, yeah, yeah, Lancaster County." Yeah, I said, "But the city of Lancaster is the Puerto Rican capital of PA, it's called Spanish <laughs> Road. It's the highest concentrated population in the state of Pennsylvania, and that f- f- out here we know this. Yeah, but that blows motherfuckers' minds elsewhere. Yeah. But I, but for me, I I love that because that culture and like so much of that. Which even on a side note, beyond that, like we have like my my nation, you know, is the dominant club in Puerto Rico. You know, we have four chapters down there. Okay, didn't know and that. yeah, yeah, we that's that's all. When it comes to the MC thing, that's our island. And it made me laugh because when I went down there to visit them, you know, and I, I spent some some good time with them. There's some there's some there's some brothers for sure. Gotcha. You know what I mean? You got you got to be built a little bit different yeah, to be yeah. us down there. And uh, <laughs> and uh, but needless to say, when I was down there, they were so like. Like I think that they try they're trying to like baby me into shit. Okay. And when I'm over here like ordering food and in Spanish or like when when I'm pronouncing things correctly or they they're they're blown I'm away. Taking it back, yeah. But me explaining to them like, nah, that's just and that wasn't even me as my upbringing like trying too hard. It was just like when you are around something like that, you just get used to that. Absolutely. And, but so that influence from my town and then in my household with hearing, you know, old school, cause my mom's such a, a classic rock and like classic country, you know, fan. And, and uh, she was, she was like music all the time. If the TV wasn't on, it, it was the radio was on, it was music. And she's such a mama blaze, shout out to mama blaze. That's my girl. Yeah. She was such a, uh, I shouldn't say was, she is, you know, and a vibrant personality. She dancing all the time. She's the one that like, she'll go to the goddamn grocery store and be pushing the cart. And if the song over the loudspeaker come on, she's she like, dance. oh, she's dancing. <laughs> and she'll be clapping and, and people will laugh and she hands it up. She lo- I used to be so embarrassed about that as a kid, but as an adult, I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I love that. I embrace that. But she was like that. So, you know, I it, it was, I had such a dope influence to where like, me and all my friends, anything that was current when it came to hip hop, you know what I mean, even Spanish music, um, cause I didn't really have a whole lot of metal around me, I had to discover that on my sure, own. But sure. then in my household, you know, just all the good classic country, and Martina McBride, you know, Alan Jackson, and then all, you know, anything that was good rock. And my dad listened to, you know, he had, so he had a good record collection, you know, some good rock stuff. He wasn't like super music guy as to what my mom was. And she'll say to this day, she'll say, I don't know where, you know, because I'll, I'll send her something that I did. Man, I'd send her that damn song I sent yeah. you. And she was like, how did someone so talented come from me? And I said, but you don't realize. The influence. You yeah. conditioned me to be that way. The, the programming in the best way that you had with just having me around constant music at all times. Yeah. And I love that. You know what I mean? That's what it was for me, too. And even in this household, it's. 
And my wife grew up the same way. So there's the music is incorporated. In oh, that's my life. great. So many different ways. Yeah. That my, you know, like I listen, I play different kinds of music for my daughters. So now, you know, my four year old needs to hear Billy Joel first thing in the morning. Like, <laughs> you know, my daughter, my oldest, she'll be 20. She loves artists from the 80s because I was incorporating the music that oh, so I grew up you know what I mean so but dope. I didn't realize until I until I got older and I saw my oldest becoming like of age as an adult like music plays an intricate part in your life I, I almost feel bad for people who don't have that exposure mm. in their life I feel mm. like you can tell people who have had music in their life they're just alive in many different ways and they can experience this life in many different ways which I'm is smiling ear to ear right now because everything you're saying is just yeah what a musician desires yeah to hear. yeah you're right. I know people who are just like Man, you listen to music yeah you know whatever's on the radio like that type of thing hey you know to each their own but i i couldn't even fathom yeah living that way yeah just like when it comes to food you know you meet people who are just like real extra picky eaters it's just like i couldn't fathom yeah being that way you know i, I need this mix and and that's like when people ask me the 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 question of, you know, you strand on a desert island, what album are you taking with you? It's just like, don't ask me that question. It's hard. Don't, nope, don't, nope. <laughs> don't do it. You know what I'm going to take with me? I'm going to take with me a goddamn uh, a burnt CD, a compilation CD that has about two songs of every genre <laughs> on it. Even the ones that I don't like. Because yeah. if that's what I'm spending for the rest of my existence, like, no, you can't do that. Because I, I can't, you know, when people say, like, what's your favorite band? I can't answer that question. Yeah. Who's your favorite such and such? I say... If I play that game with someone, I'll say, give me a genre and I'll give you five of the most influential. It doesn't even mean it's my favorite because yeah. I can't because my thing is I'm open minded to where. Like I, I there's bands, especially when it comes to metal bands, there's bands that, man, I remember as a kid cutting out clippings from like Revolver magazine yeah. or Metal Hammer and sticking them on my damn binders and making bullshit posters on my wall that I just like these guys I was just enamored with. Yeah. That as an adult, it's not that I lost interest, but it's more so just these bands that were I I, I worshipped. Um, you know, they'll put a new project out now and I'll be like, oh okay, you know, I'll get around and listen to it. It doesn't mean that I hate that band. It's more so just like time goes on because you've left the door open. Like you I acknowledge the impact that, that band had on my coming of age. You know, yeah. and and my my listening, but I'm still leaving the door open for other artists to come along. You know, and I I, I love being blown away. Yeah, the mindset that a lot of people has. I know it's a lot. It's such a shift when it comes to hip hop. There's so many people who are just cool with whatever's going on, and there's so many are like the fucking nerd purists that are just like, <laughs> yeah. man, anything that came out beyond this year, yeah. I can't listen to it. Where it's just like, well, that just goes to show you're not listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because if you really were open minded, but you only liked the fucking boom bap stuff, you'd realize there's a ton of people in the underground still doing it. You know, yeah. you just gotta scratch the surface. You gotta do a little research. Absolutely. That's all. Absolutely. So to be that person, that old curmudgeon, that's just like you know, mm. anything it's that's modern. Sad. No, it's it's a shame, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a dark world to live in if you don't got just music. Um, well, everything has its place involved. too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's sure. All, yeah, because yeah. that was even the thing with like even with hip hop. I mean, all throughout the years, dog. I mean, think about it. Like, when whenever somebody puts out a dance song, like I remember, man, the other year 
when that kid did the whip nay nay song. Oh, oh yeah. there were so many people that oh, were just, yeah. just clowning on him to where it was like, this is terrible, this is that. I'm like, listen, if Doug, if you're listening to that fucking song with the expectation of lyrical quality of, of these types of things, you're just, you know, like that's right. like going to Burger King and expecting fine dining. You're just going to sell yourself short. But the point is, is, but let me, but, but but let me guess. Back in the nineties, was you doing the same thing when the Humpty Hump came out? Yeah, right. Was you doing the same thing when the damn Cupid Shuffle came out? No, dance dance songs have always been a staple in hip hop music. You know what I mean? Just like strip club songs have always been a staple in hip hop music. And these dudes who are doing it, they know I'm not doing anything. It's going to stand up. It's going to be, you know, heralded as one of the greatest lyrical, you know, um, exercises, sure. you know, that the genre's ever seen. No, it's just it's part of. It's part of the culture. Right. It's an all-encompassing thing, you know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, but, and even as someone like myself, who I pride myself on being able to have bars and being a wordsmith, but like anyone who just has that mindset, you know what I mean? Like the -the over-the-top revolutionary, the lyrical, spherical, (laughs) miracle type guys to where it's just like, it's just, you know, like. The the rapidity rap cats. Yeah, and I'll never, you know, and I'll never, throw no shade because I still love the classics. You know, I think, like, I saw, like, DJ Academics was getting some flack recently yeah. for calling it Dusty. I would never say some shit like that, but I, I also, yeah. but I acknowledge that most of the people in those fan bases of those guys, they, you know, the, the, the old dinosaurs who just, like, are just stuck in their ways, man. At the end of the day, it's like, you, you gotta grow up. You yeah. gotta grow up sometime. I know, I know when you say, like, um, like, music I, I learned that uh, I'll probably say like maybe 10 years ago when I started really opening my mind up to I don't really fuck with this song, but I I would be lying if I told you I was at a club and if it came on, Thanks. I wouldn't dance. I Thanks. would. And so then I started saying, OK, I got a problem when they categorize all types of rap music as hip hop. That's just my beef with it. But if this is rap and hip hop, I fuck with it. In this place, in this. Well, tell me cat- what you mean, because I'm interested. In okay, so check it out, right? Example. So like, Whip and Nene, right? Let's yeah, use yeah. that as an example. Sure, sure. Because I remember when I came out. First of all, I feel like social media really adds to like the the watering down. Course, and, and okay, so that song comes out, and it's just like I can't fuck with it on my terms in this house, in my car. But if we go yeah, out, we go bump it on a, on a drive home from work. I, I mean, it, and maybe if it's Friday. I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if I'm at the club oh, and I'm yeah. having a nice drink and it comes on, I'm a fucking whipping nene. Oh, I'm listen. having a good time. I always keep things like in a certain like I I, I stopped because I, I used to be that cat like, man, I can't fuck with this. That, there's where's where's the content? Where's the lyrical skills? Where's the and you grow and, up. And, uh, yeah. And, and I had up. cats. that used to be like, yo, <laughs> it's not all about that. And I'm like, yeah, but they're ruining the culture. And <laughs> then I realized <laughs> But there's a lane for everything. Exactly. There's exactly. a lane for everything. It's been a part of culture all along. Right. We just, yeah, just pigeonholed ourselves. I just need, and I think the thing was like, I was boxing it in. Oh, yeah. Where I was like, nah, it, it is what it is. I can't fuck, that's what I said, like, I can't fuck with it here, but I know for a fact, there's so, when I hear songs out, I'm like, all right, I don't, eh, I know that that shit's going to be hot in the club. I'd fuck with that. There's songs that I will listen to drinking in the club. And when I come home and it comes on, I'm like, ah, I don't want to nah, listen to it. Nah. You yeah, see what yeah. I'm saying? It, there's, so, there's different avenues that I'll listen to music. When I was in Louisiana, 
because I, I lived in Louisiana all last year, and and I'm getting ready to move back in the beginning of November, uh, at least for the winter. What, you know? what, 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 how, how did you get to Louisiana? To always been, I, you know, it's funny. That's just, I've just had a fondness in my heart. I'll get to. Well, hold on. I, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah, jump yeah, off yeah. the point. You know, because because I'll, we'll cause come back I'll to lose we'll it. Yeah, hey, but that. I'm saying like I remember being in Louisiana because you talking about like the dance hip hop songs, and I'll never forget, man. Even to this, this was last year, 2021, and two different instances of me being. One was I think it was out somewhere, at a club, and the other one was at a. Uh, a biker party. Um, with the club that we fuck with, that's a very, very, a very urban club. You know okay, what I mean? It's up actually, um, I guess I won't say the name of the club on the, on the podcast, but it's America's first black 1% MC. America's first like official black outlaw club. When you say and, like, MC, excuse me, what does that mean? Motorcycle club. Okay, yeah, copy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, their, their parties was lit. Okay, got Dog, you. I'm telling you, fucking swag surf came on okay and you know like i'm over here chuckling like dog are you fucking serious <laughs> let me tell you something by the time that that song finished i i, I swore to god i was like man i wish i could swag sir because yeah. i would have been out there because when you saw what it did to the crowd and then the one point man a stanky leg came on and oh, it was just man. and when you saw the crowd light up and that was just it just further perpetuated and because i already had the philosophy that like yo these these avenues of hip-hop are necessary and that right there, I was like, yo, yeah. that like, was just an extra stamp. That was the icing on the cake to it. When I seen that, and these songs that, that you know, they're not current. Yeah. They're not relevant right. on the charts, but but to this day, in the deepest corner of America, had a goddamn, you know, a, a whole party turned out. I'm talking turned out. I mean, it was like, it was the most entertaining thing to watch. You know, not even for a comedic factor, but for like, oh, shit, they're getting it in right now. And like, and it was, and I love that, and that's what it made me realize, you know, like the, the dance, dance shit, the shit that we, we would, as people who appreciate content, yeah, would shit on, but we realize there's a, a meaning. But there, to, there's, a, there's a reason for it too. It, it needs is. to be there. Yeah. So the Louisiana thing. So it's funny too. Um, I'm a very spiritual guy you know i have my own beliefs and i have my own you know what i consider awakening and that's not necessarily like you know uh, christian spiritual more so just uh you know life and death and universe yeah. and all that stuff and you know I, I just have a firm belief that we have uh spirit guides that have been with us all our lives you know a, 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 i think a, a traditional christian would consider that a guardian angel sure a catholic would consider that a saint sure you know um i just that's what i think and i think that when someone close to you passes that you know that, that that person is there looking out for you, regardless. That you know these these little signs and arrows that you know the, the life tends to, to throw at you. You know the people call it your gut or your intuition. Um, these moments to where something beyond you is telling you like, hey, listen, you know, do that or uh, hey, that that decision you're getting ready to make that you don't feel too comfortable about, don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I have a firm belief that that's. That's my fallen brothers because I know that when I pass, I'm going to be that. You know what I mean? I may be that for you. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So that that said, yeah, I believe that, and and I know that. So there's just so much when it comes to ancestral lineage. I've really looked into, and um, you know my uh, most release, my most recent, you know, longest relationship, and she's just you know without getting too sappy just the most amazing person on planet earth and uh you know it's a shame that things worked played out the way it did but like 
that love is always going to be there. It's okay. never going to go away. And gotcha. she was very, she had, you know, her kind of like awakenings. But see, her roots, see, she, like I said, she's Puerto Rican. So she did a lot of, a lot of like digging through, you know, DNA and tree and come to find out, you know, a lot of like spiritual practice, you know, but like from the old world, you know, Santeria, you know, Yoruba, like these types of practice. Like, and so she got very into just being in tune and, and that real like ancestral teachings and stuff. So it really kind of opened me up to that. And uh, I just think that, so the point of me saying all that is when I was young, I always had this draw to Louisiana or anything swampy. And, you know, and, and growing up around cornfields in Pennsylvania, yeah. you would never imagine that. But I remember, like, I can recall, I mean, if I was watching cartoons and there would be a swamp scene, you know, Spanish mall, swamp, alligators, yeah. the cypress trees, I would be so drawn to it, fascinated. And as time got older, if there was movies, TV shows, anything that had to do with any, any fucking swamp related movie, I'd probably seen them all, you know, and, and I don't know why there was always such a gravitation, you know, the, but, but it wasn't like I grew up in a household where maybe someone was from Louisiana yeah. and, they, and they were around it. You know, I wasn't hearing, you know, Zydeco music, you know, I wasn't eating, you know what I mean? The uh, Creole food and Cajun food. It was just a fascination. And it was her that maybe brought it to me later it was just like, she was like, I bet you somewhere in your lineage, was you know an an old Cajun swamper or something, yeah. and funny enough, I know that there's. I've always known that I was English on my dad's side, and then Irish and German on my mom's. But the other year, my dad had said he's like, "Well, it's mostly English, but there still is a little French because your grandmama's you know um, maiden name was Griesemer. Um and she said there was some French in there, which now that makes sense, you know, because the first wave of of Cajuns was. You know, there were French people yeah. that, that immigrated to Canada. And then, you know, that's where all the fur trappers, that's why there's such a French influence in Louisiana. There's, there's still a small portion of the population that only speaks French. Wow. Oh, dog, you go, let me tell that. you something. You go way, way, way. Oh, all the slang words are French. Okay. Like I noticed that when I went down there, it was like, uh, so up here, if, if you see someone doing something like stupid, like if you look across the way, you be like, look at this dickhead over yeah. here. Look at this goofball over here. They call you Couillon. They said, look at this Kuyon over here. Like, you know, like yeah. if, you, if you're a Kuyon, you're a, like an idiot. Gotcha. So somebody calls you Kuyon, it's fighting words right yeah, there. You know what I mean? Look at Kuyon. Or like, um, eat, like um, if you're eating food, it's good. as you know, ça c'est bon. You know what I mean? C'est bon. It's like, you know, how like Italians would say manja. You know what I mean? Or, or with, you know, with Spanish people say like, buen provecho. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. ça c'est bon. You know, and, um, and uh, shit like, uh, if you're talking like how you would say like hon or sweetheart, which I say a lot, like mama, like they would say share. You say share. Oh, we're talking about girl. Oh, come here, share. You know because of mon chéri. That's what they gotcha. come for. So, so that said, that influence is serious. And man, I'm telling you, you go, you can get on a boat and go to the deepest parts of the bayou. I'm talking be out on the damn water, hitting all the canals for an hour, like going deeper and deeper yeah. into these pockets where the, your damn GPS is lost. Like Google Maps don't even recognize it, and you'll come up on little settlements of sometimes five, 10, 15 houseboats tied together. And, you know, people who just live back there, you know, they, they, they come out on their boat once, you know, and they, you know, they wave to you, but yeah. you know, but you hear them, they all speak in French and cause that's, that's all they know. And that, that's what, that's how they live. Cause in Louisiana, um, 
with the exception of the Mississippi River and the Pearl River, because those are intercoastal waterways that they have shipping barges that come through every waterway. Uh, it's free to live if you have you have a they don't they don't call them houseboats down there they call them floating camps. Okay. So if you have a floating camp, as long as it don't have an outboard motor that exceeds a certain amount of cc's, you don't have to register it. That's how you live for free down there. Gotcha. But here's the thing: if you tie up along someone's land that's private, they can come out and say, "Hey, you gotta keep it pushing." So yeah. like, so that's what they'll do. They'll find this deepest parts of the bayou that nobody owns this land, and they they have they have a little community back there. Man, the one time I was on the boat, um. We were out there, I think we were we were jug fishing for catfish, and uh, there was a whole settlement back there, and they, they had this little, like, they had no sign on it, but you could tell it was like a damn little general store, <laughs> where the one guy had that, you know what I mean, because they were all coming in and out, you know what I mean, and and, and I'm like telling a you, it's a whole community, so that's what it is, you know, and, but French is such a big thing, but I, you know, back to what my point is, I she made a really good point where I'm like, maybe there was somebody in my lineage that was, you know, a, a part of, you know, Louisiana, yeah. you know, the foundation or something, because there's no other reason I can I can think about, I can think of the why there will be a draw to such an outlandish place 1,300 miles away, you know, living in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So the first time I ever went there on tour, I was still, the first band I ever did any touring with, and we played, it was Shreveport. One, I went back, played Monroe at some point with Shreveport, and I was like, and, when I, and it just confirmed everything. Wow. Because, you know, there's sometimes where you really romanticize a place, and then you get there, and you're like, this yeah. ain't worth the hype that yeah. I gave it. No, it exceeded my expectations tenfold, and I was like, this is this has been a part of my heart my whole life, and I just, I'm realizing it right now. So as time went on, I just dreamed about living there that last year, you know, it was kind of half when, you know, her and I went through, you know, situations where I was like, man, do I want to be in Lancaster, PA, mm -hmm. where I have to run the risk of running into them at the grocery store? You know, a lot of it was had yeah. to do with, you know, my where I was emotionally at the time. So I was like, fuck that. I said, I'd rather move halfway across the country and start somewhere fresh. So in my mind, I'm like, where am I going to do that? Boom, Louisiana. Cost of living is cheaper down there. It was just great and you know and i had we had just set up we had just you know opened up two chapters within the last year okay, there so it was yeah. like i went there and immediately had brothers and okay. uh and i f pretty immediately fell in the leadership position down there yeah. so it was like louisiana just immediately became a part of me and and honestly the only reason why i even came back this last october was last year just just about last year to the day was because i had to address a family situation and i stayed through the winter and uh you know now i love where i live i moved up to the mountains in juniata county it's fuck it's beautiful you know it's like twenty four thousand people in juniata county total there's nothing wow. it's, you know and, and i live on a mountain i'm staying in an old farmhouse that sits on 102 acres wow no i don't i'm not doing that good i don't own it but i'm saying but like the point is is that like <laughs> it's, uh, no i don't want nobody out there thinking like this motherfucker's doing great like no still driving that lesaber like we talked about earlier but no i uh no i it's but i it's it's like i literally i i pour myself a cup of coffee Every morning, sometimes I'll go out with my cigar and I'll just pull out a little lawn chair and just sit yeah. out front. And I and it just sometimes I just sit in awe of like I get to look at this. And I think the only reason the only reason why I'm moving back to Louisiana over the winter is I think half of me is just like it's just a part of my heart that I feel like I need to have time there. 
like significant time, not just vacation time. I need to be there, but also too, like I'm not trying to deal with another fucking winter. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never, I've lived in Pennsylvania my whole life. You it's know, brutal. It gets hard, dog. It is. And and funny enough, I lived in Louisiana all last year. And I told you the only reason why I came back was because of family situation. I fully imagined staying there, being there throughout the winter, where it's it's extremely mild. I think that like there might be a. I think there's like a two week period where it'll get down to like 40 something Jesus. maybe. And that's for like two weeks and it immediately shoots back up again. I mean, dog, it, it'll be in February here, you know, where it'll be three feet of snow on the ground and 30 yeah. something degrees, if not less, you know, down there it's in the mid seventies already. Jeez. And it's just like, Oh, and I, I love it, man. They, this past year they had one or two, they had like two freak, Days that came out of nowhere where it was like a freeze. It was like 20-something degrees, and it got an inch of snow on and the ground. Nobody knew how to handle they, it. Dog, they shut everything down. Yeah. They, don't have, they don't have plow trucks, salt trucks. That No one knew what to do to where, funny enough, we're over here like, that, you know, that's child's play. Yeah. You know, it could be three feet of snow on the ground, single-digit weather, and they ain't shutting nothing down up here. But the difference is, is like flooding to yeah. where – up here, what we would consider catastrophic down there is like Tuesday. Yeah, it, it, because everything's on on sea level down there. It's a it's it's flat, but it's not like and you know no no shade on Delaware. I love Delaware, but it's not like Delaware flat. No, I have family in Delaware. It's just, it's just like flat. But it feels nothing, flat. It's it nothing to look at. Yeah, down there it's beautiful, but it's on sea level. And yeah. in certain parts, like you know, it's, you know, a good portion of New Orleans and different places, it's below sea level with locks and whatnot. And um, that's why. Like when it rains down there, like for we're used to like if it's a good heavy downpour, it either soaks into the ground or it washes off in the creeks. You know, creeks rise a little bit. That's what it is. You know, but down there don't have nowhere to go because everything is flat. The ground is wet. You know what I mean? And so it's just some oftentimes it'll just sit or funny enough, if there's heavy enough rain and snow up here. It all got to go down to Mississippi is the biggest tributary in America. It's all got to go down there elsewhere. So wow. the first the first big series of flooding I dealt with last year, I remember saying something to the guys. I'm like, "This is crazy," and they're like, "This is your guys' fucking fault. It's <laughs> your guys' fault. All that, all that harsh winter you got up there is what we got to deal with it in April, in March, and April down here when all Dang. that shit melts. It's crazy." But I remember the house I was staying in for a little while was on ten foot stilts, and it was in, I'm talking. I lived in Louisiana, Louisiana, dog. Like when you envision what Louisiana looks like in your head, that's yeah. exactly where I live. I gotcha. promise you. You know, it, it, this a lonesome road where a Spanish mall's covering the damn road. The bayou's on one side, and then uh, just one row of houses and marsh behind the houses. It's just like that's where I lived, and I, and I loved it. You know what I mean? I, um, alligators in my front yard. I, I love that shit. The point is, is I remember the one time it flooded up. <laughs> I tell this story all the time; makes people laugh. So. I knew the the water was so high. I had to put there was, there was water coming over the road, and the road probably sits about, you know, maybe six feet above ground level. So I there was just enough room for me to park my car up at the top of the drive, where it was barely touching the water. Parked real wonky, but you know, it was off the road and it was just barely touching the water. And I had to wade through, you know knee deep you know thigh deep water to get to the thing now for most people that might not be nothing but like i'm still 
very Pennsylvania. See, people down there, they treat alligators kind of like squirrels. It's just a part of life. They're like, well, we see a squirrel, we don't think nothing. Gotcha. They see a gator, they don't think nothing. Yeah. You know, now I'm, I might be country, but I'm Pennsylvania country. I, alligator, it's a dinosaur that can kill me. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't take that lightly. And, and truthfully, um, that's the highest concentrated population of alligators in America. They, they outnumber people. So Jeez. at the end of the day, um, and this this area where I live, of that thick part of Louisiana, that's that's their that's their house. So when I'm wading through this water, they're in there. Yeah, that, that, you know what I mean. I there's no question. So you're you cognizant I mean? of that as you're, yep. as you're. And I, I'm man, I'm telling you, I had to, and I remember, <laughs> I had to make two trips from my house to where I, I had. My, cause I was gonna go stay somewhere else where it was a little drier, you know, cause I couldn't keep doing that or like that. So I was gonna stay with a brother where it was a little dry where he was at. So I know I have to make two trips. I gotta make one out to the car to get my bag and everything, and I gotta make another with my dog over my shoulder. Okay, oh, gotcha. you know, I, I got a pit, and he's just a big baby when it comes to water. He ain't gonna swim, you know gotcha. what I mean? But also too, in my mind, I'd rather the gator bite me than my dog. I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? Um, because he may, he, they might be more a little more cautious about me trudging through the water, my big ass, than you know, a, you know, a dog sure. paddling. So I make one trip out, and, and I'm talking. You know, it, it's just the most nerve wracking feeling I'm, because I'm you're, you're wading through this water real slow, and you know, you look behind you at one point, make the mistake of looking behind you, and it's just nothing but water, and you realize you're in the middle of it, and it's <laughs> like it's anxiety ridden, and I'm and I'm over here, I'm literally talking to myself, man, you got this, you got yeah. this, you got this. And uh, and I get to my car, and you know I, I put my my dog down, and I I wade back through. Um, at one point I lost my damn flip flop. I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna wait for the water level yep. to go down. I'll come get that." You know what I mean? And uh, and because I had to have some kind of shower shoes on because I didn't know if I was gonna be stepping on something, you know. And uh, um. Or God, God forbid, I step on a damn snapping turtle, I'll take my toes off. You know, I'm not doing all because they're out there too, and I'm doing it. And mind you, the uh, important key detail is the whole time I'm doing everything with my left hand, whether it's my bag or my dog, and in my right hand I got my pistol and I got it racked because there's somewhere in my mind if something comes and chomps me and takes a hold of me, I'm gonna try and. But before well, <laughs> I probably end up shooting my damn leg off, you know what I mean? I, 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 I pop one in my knee, but like that's that was my logic. Yeah. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have a tactical advantage right now. And man, I made it to my car that second trip, and I thought I was like, whew, I thought I just committed some death-defying feat, some action movie shit, you know. Dog, I get driving down the damn road, and four or five houses down, I look to my left. I'm, you know, I'm driving over water. I look to my left. There's little kids jumping off their, their porch <laughs> into the water. I get about another four or five houses down where they got a little bar there. I'll never forget. It's called Manny's. I'll never forget Manny's Juke Joint. And I'm talking. It was. Concrete slab block with, with a with a fucking uh, a tin roof, and on the side it was someone real cruelly just painted the word bar. That's what it was. It, 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 this, <laughs> this wasn't a, this wasn't one in place that pretentiously tried to be a country bar. This was like they were it. They was that. You know what I mean? It, it was it was just that. You know what I mean? And they would have live you know Cajun that real washboard Cajun music is called Zydeco. They have Zydeco bands playing there all the time. Um, I get down to, I see the little kids swimming. I, mean, I get down the way to go to Manny's. Water's damn near coming up to the goddamn door. And there's people pulling up on their boats, jumping yeah. off and going into the bar. So I think to myself, I say, 
I'm over here thinking, I feel, man, I feel like a puss now because I'm like, I, I thought that I just did some wild shit. And, and to these guys, yeah. it ain't nothing. Yeah. To where I, it, so that's the, the, the long-winded story to where in PA, what we would consider not a big deal when it comes to snow would be catastrophic for them. But when it comes to flooding, what we would consider catastrophic is no nothing to gotcha. them. Nothing. And that's it's, the dope experience that you got to have is the different dynamics, the different worlds, so to speak, 1,300 1, miles? 1,300 miles, 1300 miles away. And it's two different worlds, but... Conditioning. But exactly. Conditioning is so real. Like, like So when the hurricane that happened, I forget what the, which hurricane it was, uh, last September, I fled that because my area got, got hit. Thank God, you know, my house and camper remained intact, but the one in front of me got a tree through it. You know, it was like, it, it was it was bad. Wow. And I said, yeah, listen, I'm too Pennsylvania. I'm not riding this shit out. I'm going to, you know, I've, and I I took a drive, stayed with a brother in Florida. And the whole time, you know, and, and Mobile, Alabama hit a tip. You know, we had a chapter there at one point in time. You know, they since folded, but like, you know, I had the, the, the president of the Mobile chapter hitting me up saying, listen, if any of your guys need safe haven you know we tell them to come through we got mm. all the space for them everything they need mm. and man i'm in florida and i'm calling my guys and i'm just like why are you guys still sitting and you're like go somewhere where you have power i mean i'm talking like these dudes were burning so much gas running generators to where they would have to switch off part of the day run the ac part of the day run the damn yeah. um the refrigerator and part of the day run your phone wow. charger yeah Sitting in the goddamn heat, you know, Louisiana heat, no joke. And the point is, is these dudes were so stubborn. And I didn't know if it was that stubborn Cajun shit to where they're all like, see, for this every year. Yeah. They're like, we do this shit every year. But then it made me realize conditioning is so real. Like every every person from Louisiana has what they call storm closet. And okay. it, it's it, and it, it, it ain't nothing that looks different. It's just a, a closet somewhere in a hallway or a bedroom where there's a generator in there. There's about five six cases of water there's a whole bunch of mres there's flashlights it's literally storm prep yeah every person from louisiana you know every sound person from louisiana got a storm closet to where for them they're just like it's just part of life to where for us that would be devastating So let's break this down. How many of us can say we have a friend in our life like Will? Somebody who is a genuine, authentic person that loves and respects everybody that deserves it, that shows love and respect back, that appreciates the balance in life and the equality in life and believes things should be upheld like loyalty and honor and discipline and structure and somebody like will who has this portrayal that society looks at and says no we want nothing to do with you you know i don't think will minds that and he says that but there's also a gentle man here a kind spirit somebody that has something to say just like the rest of us and that's what this podcast is about 
And that's why I really appreciated this episode. Let's get ready for the second half of this interview with Will Blaisdell. Because the interview and this fucking journey just gets better. Let's go. It's amazing what conditioning, because if you think about it, if from the day you're born all throughout your childhood, you are of the mindset that at some point throughout the year, a devastating storm is going to come through. And for about a week or so, we're not going to have power. Yeah. And we're going to be under candlelight, whatever the case is. And if that is what you is normal for you, then it's it's not that far fetched to imagine. It's it's crazy for you and I to think, but at the yeah. end of the day, but a lot of shit like for them, like for where we would imagine, okay, there's gonna be about a three month period to where we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to lay salt out on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. lay salt on the ground, and we're gonna have to take these oblong looking shovels and and you know shovel the shit that falls from the sky. Like yeah. for them, they'd probably be like, that's crazy. But it's amazing what conditioning does. And conditioning is such a real thing too, aside from that, but like when it comes to beliefs, you know what I mean? Not to like get real left with it, but man, I've had a lot lot of conversations with bros too who might have some backwards opinions on things that, you know, maybe it's a little old to have in 2022 if you catch my drift when I'm going with that. And uh, I'll be the guy who I'll be like, I'll say to him, I'll say, well, listen, because, you know, I'm, I'm very not that. You know what I mean? That's why like when it comes to the MC thing, and they see like certain symbolism or whatever. They're like, oh, that's the you know, notion. Yeah. I just don't dispute it anymore because in my mind, I'm like, well, I know I'm not that. Yeah. You know, but I don't have to prove that. But I love having these conversations with some of my my white brothers. You know what I mean? Um, and I have to specify that, too, because it's amazing when you go to a national party of ours. Or like, I have people who call me and they'll like they'll see pictures on the Internet. They'll be like, why don't you guys start letting black guys in? And when you start, and I'm just like. Dog, like, <laughs> all you gotta do is just scratch the surface a little bit. But at the end, of the day, but I get it. But the thing is, if you grew up in an area where, if you are familiar with my MC, my nation, and what you see is, you know, country A's, white boys, whatever the case is, that's what you're gonna know. Yeah, I can't yeah. put it past you. When I was in the Bronx with our our Bronx guys, when they first set up, I went up there and spent some time with them, and we went to um some little spot and little bar that they go to, and. uh I walk with one of the bros to the corner store across the street where it's the little neighborhood spot. So the girl at the corner store knew these dudes. Man, she looked at me sideways, not like disrespectfully. She was yeah. kind of joking. She was like, when did y'all start letting white boys in? Yeah. And I fucking laughed my ass off because I was like, Jesus, girl, if you only knew, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I couldn't even fault her for that because when she sees this patch and immediately her association goes to the people whom she knows Absolutely. who are very much don't look like me. So I can't fault, you know what I mean? But when I do get to talk to guys like me, yeah, not everyone's like as, you know, and not everyone's as open-minded as I am. A lot of the guys, it's just like, you know, they might have old world opinions, you know what I mean? And I love having them conversations with them. But I'll say, I'll be like, let me ask you this. I'll say, were you taught that growing up? Like, like, were you raised in a household where 
your parents said that your uncles or whatever the case is most of the time it's yes okay cool you know what i mean so if you grow up in a household or in an area where it's just predominantly you and you don't see a right. ton of elsewhere and then you know you grow up in a household to where you know you're indoctrinated with this mindset to where like yeah when you see them people doing x y and z that's blank shit yeah i say blank insert whatever like whatever you know race or group or, or religion whatever you're talking about whatever the derogatory name that's blank shit yeah so then when you get to be a certain age and you get to explore life on your own and then you go out and about and you see people from that group for the first time in your life um really see that and you see the behaviors that was talked about immediately you're like ah exactly. yeah my dad taught me that that's blank shit and and you so what you realize now is you've been conditioned to believe that that's the case. You know what I mean? And it's amazing that when I get to have these conversations with these guys to where they realize that, that conditioning is such a real thing. And, and man, the best one I think was one of my uh, Knoxville, Tennessee brothers. Great, great dude. Like honestly, the, 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 the tattoo gear that I use right now, he blessed me with when I was still apprenticing and I was saving gotcha. up to buy my first round of stuff, the stuff that I make money with today, you know, he just blessed me with, just gave it to me. It was just like, man, you've done so much for me. Like that's brotherhood right there. Yeah. But I remember I went to go stay with him, you know, and again, like the Nazi symbolism has been such a huge thing in the outlaw MC culture. And that threw me off at first because coming from the punk rock world, that's a no-go. Like, you know, that's like I came into the heavy music thing when the Nazis was essentially at the last end of getting run out of shows because there was a throughout the 90s plagued. And like that's where all the hardcore crews came from because they banded together to fight these fucking guys off. And it got yeah. wild. You know, it was it was every weekend of just crazy shit happening. But, you know, me coming in to going to shows early 2000s was the tail end of like, you know, of the skinheads and neo-Nazis, you know, um, neo-Nazi skinheads, you know, because the real skinheads is just a punk rock thing. You know what I mean? That's okay. That was that was black culture, as a matter of fact. You know what I mean? Was the, the, the whole the skinhead movement, the oi punk, okay. you know, the ska movement. But, you know, the neo-Nazis kind of stole that. So now when you hear the word skinhead, it's just an association. Sure. But those guys getting run off. So and me having the philosophies and opinions that I have, it's just like I'm just not about that. So I remember when I first started coming around to the MC thing, it was just such an odd thing. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But then you start seeing black and brown dudes, swastikas, SS boats. I mean, motherfuckers that got that shit tattooed in their face. So I'm like, damn, is this so? But immediately I'm like, is this like some Clayton Bigsby, like you're having a fucking identity (laughs) crisis thing? But no, dudes who are like, yo, outside this club, I don't really fuck with white people. But so they, they know what that means. Yeah. But they also... Like they know what it means to them and they know what it means to the culture. And that that's their way of saying like, we don't give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want you to talk to me. It's okay. shock value. That's what it is. Yeah. But then you start doing your research and you realize like that practice has been since the beginning of the MC culture. Cause wow. all the first, the first wave of outlaw, you know, bikers were all the military guys. Most outlaw bikers to this day are still military. I'm one of the few guys that I know in my club that doesn't have military background. Um, but all the old, you know, World War II guys, you know, the, the dawn of the clubs was about the 50s. So these are all the World War II vets that gotcha. were displaced. And, they're, you know, when, when you are on the battlefield and are, you know, in the foxhole and it's life or death, you're watching these people that you love dying and you have to, to you know, you're going out of your way to 
commit death defying feats for this man that you love. And then when you come back home, you're basically told like, all right, well, hey, you're back to normal life right. again. Yeah. You, how do you transition to that? And at the end of the day, so that was where the banding together came from. Gotcha. You know, and, and the point is, is that at the time it came from, you know, these dudes were coming home and you see old black and white pictures of some of the earliest wave of clubs in the 50s and these dudes would have six or seven tattered Nazi, you know, swastikas on their thing, but those were from the damn armbands of actual Nazis they killed. It was like, you know, with, with Native Americans, but like you know, indigenous people would do the scalps, you know what I mean? It was, oh, that's what, I got you. It was the most American shit you could be. It was like, this is how much, how American I am. Like, I fucking killed Nazis, you know? And then as the time went on throughout the 60s, and the Easy Rider era, I call it the boom, you know, the non-vets and whatnot, there was a, a shock value of it to where it was just like, there. that was all part of the culture. That was all the bike exploitation films was about, you know, and, and you know, all the, the major clubs that you consider now, you know what I mean, had at that point formed, but had started to, to branch and really become major. You had, you know, that was, you know, the Hells Angels becoming a household name, Outlaws, the Banditos, my club, you know, it was expanding. And that tradition was carried over because that whole mindset at the time was freak out the squares. You know what gotcha. I mean? It was just like the shock value of like, not only do I not want you to, I, I don't want you to approach me so much so that like, I'll put this shit on my cut just so you look at that and go, whoa. You gotcha. know what I mean? And, but also too, a lot of it was just like, Yo, like, nah, the Nazis can't have this shit. Like, this is, you know, this symbol that was historically a peace symbol. And a lot of that was, you know, like Norse mythology, different things like that. They're like, nah, they can't have this shit. That was where the practice was back then. And I love seeing that because I would, you do your research and you see every club, not just white clubs, but black clubs, especially like Chosen Few, like these old school OG, you know, clubs, the 69ers that would just like, when you see that and you see swastikas and bolts and stuff, and it's such a wild thing. Now, to this day, I choose not to wear that yeah. on my cut, but for, for personal reasons. Yeah. I have brown kids. And now that doesn't negate the fact that when I see a brown or black brother from my club wearing that, that that means that he feels that. Well, I know he doesn't. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's again, it's the shock value. Um, but it's also one of them things where like, so I, I guess the point I'm trying to say is that I know the difference. Like, Anymore nowadays, as fucking wild as it sounds, I'm sure like some of like more progressive listeners are probably like, how is that a thing? (laughs) I'm telling you to this day, if I if I go to grocery store and if I see a guy with a T-shirt on and says Swaska, my first question is going to be, who do you ride for? Okay, and if he tells me such and such MC, I'm going to go, oh, okay. You probably don't actually believe that shit. You just out here just you know shock value. Yeah. But if he tells me he don't ride for an MC, I'm gonna go, oh, okay, so you actually, okay. that's your shit. Gotcha. And now, you know, like, like we're, not, we're not on the same wavelength. And, uh, but that's, um, that's kind of part of that whole thing. But funny enough to the point of the story is, I go to this brother's house. Cause you know, Knoxville, Tennessee is dead in the middle. So between Louisiana and PA, and here in PA, the, if, you, if you look at the Google map, like the, the GPS coordinates, it, the, the direct path from here to there um, Knoxville, Tennessee is dead in the middle. Okay. It's 18 and a half hours total what the drive is. Now, like I said, I'm I'm sober. I don't toot meth, so I'm not gonna make that whole drive in a day. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know a lot of bikers who might be like, we're gonna we're gonna make that 18 and a half, but for me, no. I need a rest. I need some rest. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so I, I break it up, I do nine and nine. And Knoxville, Tennessee is dead in the middle of the path. 
So I got very, very close with the Knoxville bros and all the Tennessee guys um, just from my travels to and from uh, Louisiana to PA. Because I'm so brotherhood that for me, listen, when I go to an area and I know I'm going to rest my head in an area, even for a night or more, my first instinct is before I even look in the hotels, I say, who do I know out there? Okay. Do we have brothers out there? Does my club have a chapter there? If not, I look at these handful of clubs that we're very close with these nations. Do they have guys out there? And if there are, if that is the case, I'm making two, three, four phone calls and I'm finding a place to sleep. And so many times... I've slept on the couch in the bed of a brother that I I, I never known before wow. that night. And I'm pulling up and, and we doing our face-to-face interaction, our, our introduction in his damn driveway. And then I'm in there eating with him and his old lady, you know, playing yeah. with him and his kids. And there's such an intimate, you know, when you, you can get to know someone on an intimate level. And then from that point on, you know, you're almost damn closer to that guy than you are even some of the guys in your own yeah. immediate area. And it's, oh, that's what I love about this shit. And, and I've done that. You know, my, my house is, is the damn hotel. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I, and and I, it, it tickles me pink to be able to uh, facilitate that for brothers because I utilize that all the time. So I got to know these these Tennessee guys. So, so much so that beyond me sleeping at the clubhouse, now I'm getting to know these guys on a level where they're inviting me, well, why don't you come stay with me? So I go stay with this brother. And I walk in the house and and he got the big, um, he got the big, uh, the one of the Nazi flags, you know, on his wall again with the MC thing. I don't really think much of that because I'm like, oh, he's probably just you know like super biker, like ah, whatever. Gotcha. You know, um. But then he said to me, he said, well, look, you're gonna stay in my bedroom, like it's like me and a wife. Literally, we don't even sleep in there. We sleep on the couch. Like I want to. I said, okay, all right, I, I appreciate that. Like as long as you're okay with that. He walks me in the bedroom. And now in the bedroom, what I see is I see a T-shirt. It's like it's a T-shirt. It's pinned to the wall, and it says uh, "I said boys in the hood," and it was a couple clan hoods. And I was like, "Hmm," you know. Mm-hmm. So now in my mind, I'm thinking like, "Oh, okay." So now this is beyond biker shit. Like you might actually be into that. Um, I still have to respect it's my brother. Yeah. At the end of the day, this brother joined a fully interracial club. Yeah. So obviously, he don't have enough hate in his heart to where he's not willing to accept black and brown people as his brothers. Okay. So I I can't treat him like with hostility. And also this is his house. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like, damn, you might actually believe that a little bit. So he's while he's giving me the rundown of everything in the house, I'm kinda of just looking at that and you know, I look over at him and he's like, Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. I appreciate that. And I said, uh I pointed at us so you uh I pointed over at the at the T shirt. I said, so I said, so you actually, you about that, huh? And he was like, what you mean? I said, so you actually like, like that's your thing. And he was like, oh, that was that was a gift. Um, that was a gift from somebody, whatever the case is, ah, whatever. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like he kind of tried to downplay a little bit. And I said, well, it was a gift enough for you to pin it up to your wall, you know? And and then I, then, and then I had to digress. Gotcha. This man, this man, at the end of the day, my feelings aside, and and listen, maybe that is my white privilege. Because if I was a black or brown person, and I saw that, you know, I I might very well say like, I'm not gonna fucking sleep here. Yeah, you know what I mean. I wouldn't put it past them either. And maybe that's my white privilege of acknowledging like I can at least withhold my feelings for a night and just say and basically just chalk it up to all right, cool. Well, I'm gonna go and sleep here because yeah. I need a place to sleep. But I just won't come back here again. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean. Um, 
and I acknowledge that about myself, but I'm also not going to withhold how I feel to some degree, you know, but, but respectful because this also is his house and he's willing to go out of his way to yeah, have me. It's, put a, me little up dan- it's a dance here. It is. So I kind of, so he, he, and he looked at me confused because I understand. I look like motherfucking American history X. I, yeah. I get it. You know what I mean? Big ball, <laughs> yeah. shave head white dudes with, you know, with, with gang tattoos and everything. I get it. But, um, I said to him, I said, yeah, it's not really my thing, man. And I don't like throwing the brown kids thing gotcha. in there. Like I feel that's like corny. Yeah. It's kind of, it's to me, it's very similar in the lane of like, you know, like, like, you know, oh, my, my, my best friend's black or my best friend. Yeah. It's like, but, but at the end of the day, there is a certain level of like, I mean, it's true though. You know, like, yeah. like a lot of shit, like I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? And, um, because my kids, you know, have had to deal with things that I'll never have to deal with in my life. And as a parent, that's one of the hardest feelings because like your kids right now there's there's nothing that your kids are ever going to go through in your life that you haven't gone through yourself or you right. haven't gone through something similar right the hardest part about being a white guy raising non-white kids is having to have them come to me and with tears in their eyes and explaining things it's happened before of just having gone through things that i'll never experience in my lifetime and as a parent that's the biggest that's the hardest thing it kills sure. me. or having to explain to my kids like look Wherever you stand in America, as wonderful as this country is, because I'm not one of them guys. Like I still do think this country's great. It's yeah. flawed, but it's it is great. But at the end of the day, everywhere where you stand in America, within a stone's throw of wherever your feet are planted, is going to be at least one person who fucking hates you for something that you don't got no choice in. Yeah. And also some that you shouldn't be ashamed of either. Right. And you know, it's important as a as a parent to to teach that, but I've said that to my guys I was like none of y'all will ever know what that feels like like how much it kills me to have to say that so I think that when it comes to that you know and, and like that's why I don't like I don't like throwing a whole like yeah I got brown kids you know what I yeah. mean because also too because on the, on the side of they're my stepkids okay, you know what I mean gotcha. but, I, but for me I don't do whatever sure you know but the point is is I say that to him I said ah you know it's just it's not for me man it's not my shit but I said but look but it's your house you know, you, you you know, it is what it is. I said, well, listen, I'm gonna bust in there and take a shower. He's like, all right, cool, man. And I noticed that he's he's a little like, you know, because I've I've carved myself a niche in this lane because that chapter was pretty new down there. So these guys are really turned to me oh, as this okay. experienced guy to be like, oh, you know, C4. My club name C4. That's my road name. You know, and and you know, C4 is coming into town. You know, and and you know, and usually they'll throw a little function for me, which they didn't have to do all that. Oftentimes I want to just come sleep. Yeah. But they'll do that and they're like, you know, you know, leaning on me for counsel, different things like that. So I've carved myself a niche with this group of people um, of some level of influence. And I feel I see he, now he feels like he kind of disappointed me a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. I go take my shower. I get out the damn shower. You know, 10 minutes later, I walk out in the room and I see that he had taken he had taken that, that shirt off the wall to where. There's a tiny voice in my head that's like, damn, man, like you had to do all that because this is your house. Yeah. But I think most of my voice is just like, probably not a bad idea, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but like I said, let me not be a dickhead. <laughs> but like, come on, dog. Come on. Yeah. Like, but then I went out to, I got dressed, went out to the living room. I saw he had taken the fucking Nazi flag off. Now, I didn't say nothing to him, you know, because again, while there is a voice that's like, damn, you'd have to do all that, in my mind, I'm like, again, probably not a bad idea. So I didn't say nothing to him. We're hanging out, having a great time, having a real good conversation. And at some point, we ended up on his porch. And he made comment about it. 
I don't know if you noticed or whatever. I said, yeah, I did. I did. And I said to him, I said, let me let me ask you about that, you know, and like talk to me about that a little bit. So I started asking him the questions. I was like, did you grow up gotcha. in a household, you know, like the normal standard? Well, this time he actually said, he goes, no. He said, I grew up, you know, out in the hills. Um, he said, my, my parents were Southern Baptist to where and they were hard body church people. But so I was raised under the belief that, you know, everybody created equal. You know what I mean? You know, God, you know, don't make flawed people, you know, this and that. Everyone is everyone. And and uh, so I said, OK, so then what happened throughout your life? And he said, all right, well, you know, and I said, so when did you get I asked him, I said, when did you get into that? I said, because yeah. I said, so were you ever part of something? And he said, yeah, I was. And I said, all right, so when did you get into that? He said, about 13 years old. You know what I mean? And I said to him, I said, all right. I said, so I said, I'm, I want to I want to take a wild guess. You were a 13 year old kid, grew up in an extra religious household. I said, you probably rebellious a little bit. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, all right. So you were pissed off at the world. And he was like, absolutely. I said, you were fucking mad. I, said, I know that feeling. I remember that feeling. I said, you were mad at the world and you had no idea what you were mad about. You just knew that you that something was going on. You were upset. Was it was teenage angst, whatever was around you. And I said, I imagine that when you probably saw these guys, they were grown adults, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, I imagine when you saw them, you saw the, the imagery. You saw how tough these dudes were, but you saw how put together these dudes were. And I said, there was something about that to you that was like the alpha male, same way how bikers was to me. And he was like, and I noticed the wheels are turning as I'm saying this to where he's like, Jesus, dude, how are you figuring my shit out? And I said that to him and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then when these dudes came forward, they said, kid, we see you're pissed off. But you know what you're really pissed off about? Like, you don't know what you're mad about. You know what you're really pissed off about? It's these blacks. Mm. It's these Jews. I said, they probably said something like that, right? And he was like, at this point, he's at a loss for words. He don't even want, and I could see, I hate to say it, like, I'm not, and I'm throwing no shade, but we all go through emotional shit as men, but he, I see tears are welling up yeah. in his eyes. Yeah. And I and I almost had tears in my eyes. I said, dog, I was like, I said, I'm not going to mince words. You were fucking preyed upon. Mm. Them men was predators. You were preyed upon. I said, you, you were preyed upon by grown men. I said, and I know people, when they hear that word, they associate there being a sexual misconduct involved. But I said, it's not always that. You were fucking poisoned yeah, by grown man, men mental. into into believing these hateful thoughts. And that. It, 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 that's such a disgusting and despicable thing to think about, which is, uh, but that's also too a thing with the street thing. Yeah. Back to that, it's a similar thing. You got 11, 12, 13 year old kids out here, you know, flagging mm. and, you know, and, and jumping off the porch with people legitimately, you know what I mean? Getting, you know, blessed in or jumped in however they join by grown ass men. A 13 year old kid, a 12 year old kid, like, how can I call a fucking 12 year old my brother? Right. That's what the fucking appeal to the MC was for me on a side note is that like, first off, you gotta be a grown ass adult. You gotta be 21 years old. So in certain situations, a lot of OG dudes back in the day, they did 18. Okay. A lot of them motherfuckers joined when they were 18 years old. You gotta be 21 years old. And God damn it, we ain't recruiting nobody. Yeah. You gotta discover this shit on your own. We ain't out here trying to condition your thoughts and believe this. If this, if what you see if there's something inside you that feels this, come hang out and yeah. we'll see what you're about. But if not, we don't want you around. Yeah. We're not going to fucking try and condition you to believe that what we got going on is right. We don't care what you think. That's what I love about the MC thing. But the back to the story, 
that was the eye opener because it's there's two different dynamics. Wow. It's someone who was born into hate, being conditioned by their the people they're surrounded with, or someone who discovers it at a low time in their life. And I and I hear stuff like that. I know I know brothers who you know were into the white boy thing that like. I've talked to them and I asked them that question. They're like, yeah, they were like, honestly, I never really cared about the rhetoric more. So just the fact that these dudes were like, like they had regimented workouts. They were in shape. The way that they carried themselves was just like, you know, and that that's, that's big. You know what I mean? That goes and back that, to the structure thing. It does. That and that would, and here's the thing that would be cool if your whole MO wasn't about right. Something as egregious as it is. Right. <clears throat> you know what I mean? That's, that's why like, you know, I don't hate, on the dudes who, you know, because a lot of people I know who are real ultra progressive, they'll be like, yeah, I don't buy into that. Like, if you were there once before, you know, you never all gotcha. the way walked away from it. To where I'm like, yeah, that's not true, yo. That's not true. There's so many people who I know who they had that aha moment in their lives to where they were like, man, I've been spoon fed all this bullshit that I've really come yeah. to believe because these people whom I thought that I, I idolized and romanticized for so long when I really opened my eyes up and realized how shitty they were, I realized how much they have been poisoning me and conditioning me to believe these things that I don't genuinely believe. And uh, and people can change in that regard. But that's, I know I was real, kind of, I kind of sidetracked there, but that conditioning no, is no, such, I, conditioning is such a real thing, man. Uh, that's why I didn't want to interrupt you because it was, it was very, there was a lot of important things that you were talking about. One of the things I was thinking while you were speaking was I kept going back to in the beginning of our conversation? You used the word counsel, and uh, I'm I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that and you've kind of touched on a little bit that you are looked at and and uh, spoken to as a mentor or for advice or as counsel. Do you feel like have you always had that ability to? Um, draw people in and use your words to 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 make a point to to help clear the fog, so to speak. Because um, it, it seems like in that certain instance right there, it didn't take much for you. Except it's not like you raised your voice and got loud and and you you no. sat down, you talked with them, and it, it just seems like you have that ability, that knack to to use your words to get through to people. Understanding and and empathy is a big thing. See, a lot of people, a lot of people can be sympathetic towards situations. You know, I because if I'm sympathetic towards something, like for example, the, the situation with your father, yeah. I'm sympathetic because I too have that situation. Now, if you were to say something, you know, about an ill relationship with, say, like your mother or something like that, I wouldn't know about that. But I would listen to you and I would imagine what that would be like. Now I'm empathizing. Gotcha. That's where empathy comes in to where things that you, you know, uh, an attempt to try and understand things that you don't, you know, right. have experience with, um, which is no different than like, you know, acknowledging something like, like I, I mentioned something about like white privilege earlier. That's the thing a lot of guys that I'd be around, you know, um, would deny. And I get it. For years, I was the guy where I was just like, you know, poor white kid. Yeah. Like, I was never fucking born with no spoon in my mouth and wipe the privilege. But, they, you know, the problem is, is when you really open your eyes, you learn like, no, no, no. It's not saying that if you are white, you are born with 
you know, a, a, a financial grant. Yeah. And, you know, like like if you're given a stipend by the government to live and that, you know, th- things are just like handed to you. It's more so just the fact that like acknowledging certain things. It, dog, if I really wanted to, I could have rose out of whatever upbringing situation, uh, put on khaki pants yeah. and dockers, <laughs> comb my hair over when I still had hair and uh, went to college and got some good job and presented myself as something. And like I could have been that guy you know what i mean and but uh i didn't and i chose to be a biker you know an outlaw biker you know i I, you know in the eyes of society and the law and the government i chose to be a gang member uh i chose to tattoo my body with these tattoos that i've earned um i chose to dress the way that i dress to appear the way that i appear so anything that comes in regards to from society or from law enforcement uh, whether I like it or not, I acknowledge that, you know, I had a choice in this matter. Yeah. Versus where, you know, somebody like yourself getting flack, you know, and you could be the same motherfucker walking there with khakis and, you know, Nautica and, and like, yeah. you know, and present yourself the same way a lot of these people in any of these situations with police and all that stuff. But the response that you're going to get in certain situations that you didn't have a choice in. Yeah, I had a choice. So it's acknowledging certain things and me being empathetic and understanding I can do that. So that has helped me in that ability because as much as I appreciate you acknowledging that, you know, look, I I get it. I know that, you know, I can turn the charm on. I can I can be I call a silver tongue devil. You know what I mean? I can I can do that. But I need to preface. My intention always has to be genuine. Because yeah. I know some silver tongue devils. That's just like you're trying to get over on these people. Like I know, I know, guys. Listen, this is. I am a one percenter. You know, um, we are the bad guys. Yeah. And as much as we are, we know a lot of us. You know, have good hearts. Yeah. We're just capable of doing certain things. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. There may or may not be some dudes to where it's just like you're just not meant for the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're you're here because there's nothing else where you would fit. And like dudes who might you know have a darkness in their soul and you know a lot of these guys are charismatic dudes and that's another reason why i like structure because structure keeps people like that in check yeah you understand absolutely. what i mean because structure and rules but not like rules but but you know a policies and just real things like that keeps people like that in check from getting too crazy and the best part is you know when when too crazy happens you get weeded out yeah. And it's great. I've seen it happen time and again. But the point is, is that there are people who are like that, who have the gift of gab that are able to, I'll say, sucker people in. And I never want to do that because, you know, a- anything that I ask of anyone else is something that I have done already or I am willing to still continue to do for anyone. But so that's why for me, it's very important that I go to these areas and, you know, dudes, they want to lean on me for, you know, history. They want to lean on me for advice. And I still get it to this day. I have other leaders from other areas that, you know, I had a guy message me last night and was just like, you got any words of wisdom for me, man? I'm, I'm kind of going through it right now. And I'm like, and, you know, and it's a heavy burden to put yeah. on your shoulders. And, and there's some times where I often feel to myself, I often feel undeserving of that. And that's not it's not self-defeating behavior. I love I love who I am. You know what I mean? I, I'm not one of those guys that paints a picture of being this ultra confident person and then, you know, cries himself in front of the mirror like, no, I, I love who I am. Yeah, because I, I, I had to go through a lot to become this person, um, not just 
physically, but mentally and emotionally. And the point of what I'm saying is that as undeserving as I feel sometimes, I have to acknowledge there is a reason for this. These guys are not asking me this. They're not leaning on me the way that they are. They're not following me the way that they do because they're told that they have to. Or they've just come to believe like, well, that's probably someone who should we do that. No, because I've shown them such. Yeah. Not just with my words, but with my actions. You know, the, the, my mentor in my club is the great, one of the greatest men in my life. One of the only men in my life that I ever desired to make proud. Um, he is that person who he is for me because of everything that he showed me. And so I, I am able to equate in those moments that my relationship with people like that, my experience coming in of just being in my mid twenties and being around these just alpha gangsters, these old school guys, the guys who they make fucking movies and TV shows about in the flesh. Yeah. That like are just in my ear, like, come here, kid. I want to tell you something. And I'm just like, holy shit, everything that this guy says, I'm going to literally write down in my head and just yeah. be, be there forever. So for me, in those moments I can equate that and I can say no now it's my turn to be this guy yeah for these guys and it's important and you know and because my thing is if I do it right this guy that I'm talking to right now is going to be that for the next wave that's why I, I go to these some of these new areas we had a big um two years ago we had a big expansion we were always an east coast organization never really anywhere further west than our like Ohio Kentucky and now we're all the way to the West Coast, you know what I mean? And we had a big expansion because there was another large uh, uh, outlaw club that we essentially, there was some wheeling and dealing made. And, you know, it's public knowledge. I can talk yeah. about it. But, like, absorbed that whole nation. And, um, like, overnight, you know, fucking went from, you know, just a little over a 1,000 guys, you know, on the East Coast to a couple thousand, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, there were some guys that came from that mix that I just genuinely disagreed with. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Guys with certain backgrounds that I was just like, they shouldn't be here. But yeah. that's besides the point because I acknowledge that after a lot of the weak links that weed themselves off, there's a lot of guys that came from that that I just, I cherish. For I, I'm, Had that not happened, I wouldn't have them in my life. All of Louisiana came from that expansion. Gotcha. I would never have those men in my life. I would never have been able to do what I did for the state of Louisiana and build the bridges that I built down there had they not done that. And I remember, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, it's still new. They're still within their first couple of years, these chap chapters and areas. And I come from an area that's so rich in history since the fucking 60s. You know, the, the this is the foundation. And, you know, I'm surrounded by the foundation, you know, when I'm here and all the all the time of my, my coming of age tale with this, that when I go to these areas and I, tell these stories and these guys lean on me and 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 i'll always notice that there's a little bit of a sadness with them when they'll i'll say to them i'm like man we're you guys don't realize like like it's i feel bad for you guys here because you're not spoiled the way we are at home with having uh, the dinosaurs around us yeah. having the ogs and and these guys who are like that and i'll notice a room and sadness across the room where they're like fuck you're right man but how I'm able to round that out, and it is the point what I'm saying is with me having the attention of these people and having the room of having it's an obligation of mine internally to round it out, to build these people to where I'll say to them, but that knock that out, out of your mindset because 10 years from now, 
for all of you guys in this room who are still going to be here, who aren't going to quit, who 10 years from now, the next wave of guys, you are going to be be that for them. And that's fucking important. And I noticed that when I say that, it's just some of these guys are like, fuck it. They light up, yeah. Because that's motivation. That's motivation because so many times when it comes to this MC life, there are political decisions that go on beyond your grasp, beyond your control that you just sometimes have to just go, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. And you do that and you have to sometimes eat shit or you have to sit on the sidelines and watch things happen that you don't agree with. That was the Westwood expansion for me. But the yeah. point is, is that like things will always round themselves out. But the problem is a lot of guys, a lot of green guys, they come into it and whether shit, they, maybe they think in their mind that, you know, things going to be sweet where they live. And then they, you know, all of a sudden they put that patch on and the opposition shows up out of nowhere and was mm-hmm. like, nah, and then, and things get real hairy. Yeah. You know, I, I, I won't, I won't lie to you. Like, I don't like saying it, but the violence is always going to be a part of it. Sure. It's never going to go away. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but the thing is, is that sometimes, you know, someone who might've had a weak constitution that was able to slip through the cracks might see that and go, Whoa, I, I don't, I don't want no part of this. Yeah. And it'll fold. But a lot of times the guys who do leave are the guys who just like maybe things go on politically beyond their realm of control that they don't necessarily agree with. Or they're like, you know, and they have this mental crossroads where they're like, man, you know, why am I dealing with this? And I've been in that, man, in my six years as a patch member, I've been there about a dozen times. So I sit there and, I, and I'll sit there at my kitchen table. I'll look at my cut, sit on the chair. I'll be like, why the fuck am I still doing this? Or why do I have to put up with I always find myself being in that situation to where I'm like what my mentor says. When things are when things are good, you celebrate. When things are bad, you fucking you fight as hard as you can to get it back to being good. Because man, and that guy's thirty, you know, thirty yeah. years with, with doing this, I can imagine the roller coaster sure. he's at. But the best part about me saying all this without getting you know, getting too deep into the club stuff is that that's a life lesson. Yeah. That's relationships yeah. right there. That's yeah. that's being with a partner, with a, with a good woman or man or whatever, is that you find yourself in these pickles and these ruts to where you're just these mental crossroads. And you're like, why would I do this? Listen, we as men, I won't lie. You know what I mean? And I, you don't have to comment on this because I'm sure if your wife listens, no, she's sure, not going to no. hear it. We all have gone through that situation to where when you find yourself in one of those ruts, It might not be a voice that you camp out on for a long time, but there's still a voice in the back of your head that says, man, you know, there's so many other people that I could be with right now who would never treat me this way. Or like maybe you'll think back on someone that was a potential suitor at the time that you got with your person and say, I I wonder what it would have been like if I would have chose this person instead. We're all guilty of that. The thing is, if you are a forthright person and you got a strong constitution, what you do in those immediate moments is you say, and you do the mental checklist. Why am I here? Why did I make that choice? I'm over here contemplating what if, the what if, because it's the what ifs that kill you. I learned that in recovery. Yeah. It's the what ifs that kill you, send you down a fucking spiral. Yeah, absolutely. You go down that rabbit hole and you never leave. And you find yourself in these situations to where you're like, well, why did I make that choice? And then you go, hmm, that's why. Yeah. And, you, and, and then you stick it out. And guess what? And it's the same thing. When things are great, you celebrate. When things are bad, you fucking fight as hard as you can to make them right. That's what your career, that's what your woman, and this is just like, this is the types of things that the brotherhood has taught me. 
You know what I mean? I, t- I say all the time it's corrupted me in the best ways possible <laughs> to where so many things to where I never would have thought about like filtration processes for people in your life, behaviors to look for yeah. that I never would have thought of that anymore now. It just, it, it showed me what real love is supposed to be and what, you know, that, that, and so many of those life lessons, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's just, it's taught me, you know what I mean? For them folks who told me they would never photo me, but then they went and lost sight. Man, I don't know what the fuck to believe no more. Best believe it, I'm still sleeping through the night. And if you hating, I promise on everything that's on you. Cause only throwing dirt up on my name is gon' do. It's turn up in the mud when that rain come falling. That's why I feel most right. Watch how you move with me. Man, it's a blessing that I made it to 30. But I'm still worried life gon' show me all the power it's been saving to hurt me. I don't fall too many demons in my head to stress the ones in the You feel you're on a at this point in your life now with everything that you just broke down. You feel like you are closer to because we never know this whole idea of like I am where I want to be. I can't understand that, but lately I've been kind of wondering. Like, well, I think we'll always be striving for that ideal place in life. But do you feel that you're closer to where you want to be in life than you were six years ago when you absolutely. started, and ten years ago? Then absolutely, yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, well, grow. You know, positive forward motion. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I mean that. That's a quote. My one of my fallen brothers by the name of Crush. Rest in peace, Crush. He uh, he used to say. Positive forward motion. That was his big thing all the time. You know what I mean? Um, where everything's bright and shiny. He said, Crush, how you doing? He was, he was a weird guy. He was a, a very eclectic. He'd look at you and he'd go like this. He's like, everything's shiny. You know what I mean? Everything's shiny. <laughs> positive forward motion. When you were going through some shit, that was always, you know what I mean? Hey, man, positive forward motion. You know, and, and sometimes when you hear stuff like that, you just chalk it up as the real Hallmark card advice. Like, all right, you're just saying something positive. Yeah. Thanks, man. You know what I mean? But then when you really when you really find yourself in a real rut and you have that aha moment where you're like I can sit here and I can wallow or I can figure something out to get it right and then you get it right and you realize oh man I've had a really good person in my ear this whole time talking Absolutely. about positive forward motion and and I I think that you know growth is imminent you know a lot of my philosophies and ideals that I had 6 years ago I still uphold but a lot of them have changed um you know, core principles are always going to be there, but yeah. the point is, is that like, um, it's just the case. I mean, hell, look at even what I was talking about the music. Look at what I was talking about just a second ago, like about how, you know, even up two years ago, I'm writing and recording this incredible country music that literally could potentially make me a success. Yeah, has lyrical content that is incredibly personal to me, and it's just like relatable on every facet to every normal person out here. But I'm keeping it off to the side from my songwriter stuff to be, oh, well, this is going to be for the Blake Shelton's and Rascal Flats and these people of the world. It's not going to be for me. Mm. I'm explaining it to people. But yet that's only because I'm in this box of, you know, I, I can only do metal or hip hop when it comes to like shit for myself, putting myself out there. To where two years later, two whole years later, I'm, I'm I'm literally like, I can't wait to shoot a video for that damn song I yeah. sent you and to finish that project. So 
I can be out here taking over the motherfucking country. Yeah. Two years. And and so you talk about growth. It's just like it's it's never going to stop, man. I, I I even with the brotherhood, I swore forever, man, I'm going to ride the uh, a regular RM means regular member. You know what I mean? Not someone in leadership in a position, okay. whatever the case is. And I was I was the enforcer for the Langston chapter for a while, which I did. I did love. I was very good at what I did. Um, but even tough guy shit aside, you know, because we, you know, we already know what that position comes with. But the difference is, is that being a silver tongue devil that I am, you know, there's an art to doing that. And oftentimes, I could get the end result that I desired from whatever mission that I was sent out to do, without actually even having to get physical with somebody. And I love situations like that. Because regardless of whether I'm good at certain things, it's not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. You know what I mean? I'm not made of stone. Yeah. Because I have a capability to be able to turn a switch on and off. Doesn't mean that I like turning that switch on. Gotcha. I don't. What I'm doing here with you right now is my favorite shit. Yeah. It is. You know what I mean? And um so the point of me saying all that is I was totally fine forever, like Man, I can just ride this RM wave. I can just be an enforcer. Like I'm good with that. I'm I'm fine. I had enough respect and influence from the people I needed it with. I was fine. That when I moved to Louisiana and I kind of inherited that program down there, and I really I remember leaning on a brother of mine from another nation who I respect very much. So, um, and this brother was like mother club. He was like on uh, of the the top twelve and. So, you know, what he tells me, I'm going to take, you know, very, very seriously. Gotcha. And I remember leaning on him, you know, and I said, you know, brother, you know, I, I won't say the club name, but I'll, his, his road name's Spider. I said, Spider, I'm like, I, you know, he's like, how's everything in Louisiana? I'm like, man, it's a fucking clown show. I said, it's just, there's so much, a circus, there's so much going on, it doesn't need to go on. I was like, and I've kind of fallen into this situation. They're getting ready to give me this damn title. And I'm like, I just, I didn't come down here for this. I don't want I don't want that. You yeah. know what I mean? And I remember him saying to me, he said, C four, I didn't you think I wanted what I have right now? I didn't pine for this position. I, you know, and in fact, you know, I thought I was gonna go kicking and screaming when they're getting ready to put this on my chest. He said, But I came to the realization that by having this this position of authority, I now have the the power to be able to make one phone call and keep a brother alive or out of jail. Mm. And he goes, and Ever since then, it made it all, the juice is worth the squeeze. I use that saying a lot in life, like the juice has to be worth the squeeze. And when he told me that, it opened up so much. And I was like, you know what? And and guess what? Everything that I did down there, you know, like, yeah, there was some rough shit that happened. I won't lie to you, but like most of it was building bridges. Yeah. Whole bunch of other clubs down there that did not want us there. We don't accept you fucking guys. You know, we, you know, we, could, we just kind of popped up out of nowhere, you know, and- uh, as most major organizations tend to do, hey, we're here now, fuck you, you know, one of them yeah. type things. And But at the end of the day, to the guys locally who hold that shit down strong, naturally they're going to be like, well, you know, let, you know, well, we're going to run you out. And and, and that's uh, and that happens in a very dark way sometimes. Sure. And the point is, is, but to be in this position where now I'm able to be an arbitrator and sit down at tables with these dudes, you know, who, who I have a great deal of respect for. These dudes who, who, paid in blood the same way that our nations did in this area for, for them, you know, to be able to sit across from them and say like, look, you know, we're here now. That was a call that was made beyond my, my power. Can't do nothing about it. Um, but 
there's no reason why we can't figure this out. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's no reason why, you know what I mean, anyone has to step on each other's toes to figure this out. And literally to be able to do that to where a couple years prior, and again, we're just talking about growth a couple years prior where I was just like, nope, I'll never, I'll never do that. I'll only be, I'm good with just being an enforcer and just being that guy, you know what I mean? And to go, you know, and I want to earn all the fucking tough guy patches and everything, you know, yeah. and, and everything, you know, I, I've, I have all the accolades. I've done things for this club I'll never talk about for obvious reasons, but the point Absolutely. is, is and I'm not ashamed of nothing either. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't go to bed at night, you know, regretting certain things. But the point is, is the most noteworthy things I've been able to achieve were making peace, building bridges. I realized I got so much more satisfaction out of that. You know what I mean? I'm still prepared to go to war if it needs to happen, but I, I got so much more satisfaction out of being able to do that, to build a bridge to where literally now there's other nations that in certain states, I mean, we, we, we X, Y, Z each yeah. other. But my guys in Louisiana can be in the same fucking room as these guys. Now, we ain't holding hands, skipping down the street together, yeah. but, you know, they, they give each other a head nod from across the way. They can be in the same room and not want to kill each other. Yeah. And that's to, that might not mean a lot to most civilians, but to, in our world, that's a fucking major feat. And I would have never been able to be in that position had I not had enough fortitude for growth that when that piece of advice, that gem of wisdom was blessed on me, not absorb that because I think of myself a couple years ago I'd have been like no yeah if they would have offered me that I would have told them no but growth is it's just it's imminent and I look back on the last handful of years and I'm like god man how much I've grown in so many different aspects it's just I love that and and I don't ever anticipate and stopping I never would have imagined picking up you know a a tattoo machine and 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 starting you know and because I don't have very much drawing you know artistic knack yeah. but man i'm i'm not gonna lie I've, I've been enjoying doing this well and i've gotten pretty damn good too i won't you know i'm not like toot my own horn yeah, but like yeah. that's such an accomplishment in itself for me that like being open to these things and open to growing in certain avenues is just not only is it necessary but damn it feels good yeah. it feels good man i i i'm glad you brought that up because um i wanted to touch to touch on that it usually when i'm wrapping up my my interviews i like to kind of to talk about i would apologize we've been talking for a while oh my god but at the end of the day no i don't feel bad about this it's been a great it's been a great conversation (laughs) i fucking love this shit it's been a great conversation this is the whole you know when i started this podcast i envisioned conversations like this so Though, please don't apologize if anything. I should be thanking you. Oh, um, I'm humbled, man. But uh, absolutely, but it's been um, a great day. It has been. It really has. It has been. And this is my favorite time of year too. So I'm like, I'm in my zone. <laughs> man, with the fall and everything. Well, yeah, well, I'm an October baby too. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty fond of this time. Oh, of year my daughter's well, born so. October eighth. When, when was your fourteenth? Okay, fourteenth. I was about to say we, only a week off. That's okay. Dope. When you decided, when, when I'm thinking about what we, everything we talked about, and. and you, you just finished off talking about growth and leading into tattooing. Um, I'm, I'm seeing you starting to tattoo. And what I appreciated was you put it out there and you were like, look, I'm starting. This is what I'm starting. This is where it's at right now, but I'm going to get better. And I'm like, man, that's dope. That's vulnerability. And that shows growth. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, listen, don't send me down the rabbit hole with that. Cause uh, I, I, as a man, Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to step on what you were saying, no, but, it's all but, good. but, but I, I love that because I I firmly believe there's a sincere difference between vulnerability and weakness. Absolutely. We, weakness is acknowledging I have X, Y, and Z going on wrong in my life and 
that that's just where I'm at. And, yeah. and I'm just going to let that weigh me down. Vulnerability is acknowledging those things. Acknowledging I'm not wrong for uh, this is not far fetched for me to be going through these things, but I'm going to figure out what I need to do to get it out. Yeah. And funny enough, I will never forget. It was the other year. Um, so I'm a pretty progressive guy, but like some of my like ultra progressive people, man, they throw some terms and words. There's a new word for everything now. Yeah. So I'm just like, I can't keep up with y'all. <laughs> but I remember I can't. I, I just I stopped trying, you know, because like I said, like even like when it comes to I know where I stand on on pretty much everything. Um, but I think just being that outlaw, like anything political or social, I just don't get into it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I'm not the person to talk about it. Um, I, I'm, I'm just not because I, you know. So much of that always has to tie into, you know, community and government and leadership and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a, when I say that I'm the anti that, I don't mean like I'm anti community. No. But more so, like, if you are someone who is vehemently anti law enforcement, <laughs> government, all this and that, like, you really don't have much room to speak about, yeah, you know, yeah. social issues and <laughs> yeah. shit. So that's why I just don't. But the point is, is, there was a term that came out, it really became a thing the other year that at first, again, same deal as like the white privilege. Yeah. To where it was like when you first hear the word, you know, as someone like me, it resonates where you're like, what the fuck does that mean? But being understanding and empathetic enough when you do the research, and that term for me was toxic masculinity uh-huh. that came about. And I remember, so of course for me, I'm like, that sounds like the softest fucking shit that I've ever heard. Because yeah. listen, I love, listen, I love a lot of my ultra progressive friends. Yeah. But goddamn, some of y'all are soft yeah. as shit. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and be that guy, but maybe uh, it's because yeah. I'm just different. But like, uh, yeah. uh, it gets hard sometimes. Yeah. So it's just like, come on, dude. But like, you Trying know. Trying to keep but, up too. Like, I'm here with you, but I feel right, like when yeah. I say one thing, nah. now I'm offending you. Yeah, nah, and, come on. Come and I'm on. trying. I'm trying my you best. Know, but, it's, but the thing is, is I remember hearing that and I was like, that sounds like the softest shit. You know, because I I felt triggered by that because I'm like, damn, y'all probably, you know, basically talking about dudes like me, you know, yeah. tough dudes, whatever. Yeah. And, you know. A man's man. Right. But it, when I really dove into it to where it was like, nah, it's the concept of like, if you look at like, um, you know, well here, you know, we're, we're in, you know, in uh, Hempfield School District, there's a lot of it to where like you might have the dad who's the coach of his kids' little league team. Yeah. And um, he's trying to live out the 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 failed sports endeavors vicariously to his son, and, and pushing the kid to extreme limits and things like that, or or the the concept of that same dad who that kid's like, man, I I kind of like ballet, yeah, or I kind of you know whatever the case is, and the testing, nah, like you're not supposed to do that as a man, yeah, you're not supposed to do that, or like you know, yo pops, I. I've really been feeling some kind of way about something and I don't know what's going on. And the dad says, nah, we're not supposed to talk about feelings. We don't talk about feelings as men. We just bottle shit and hide it. Yeah. Um, or we don't, you know, we, we don't hug each other. Like so many things like that. I know so many dudes who are just like, yo, my dad hugged me once on my graduation and I'm like, dog, my, my brothers, like we hug each other. Yo, the OG brothers, in the outlaw biker world, kiss each other on the cheeks. Still. Yeah, yeah. Because because that came from because a lot of the OG guys, especially like in my in my club, like a lot of like the when you talk about like Philly, Jersey, things like that, um, came from the families. If you yeah. catch my drift, so that was a big part. And, sure, absolutely. And yo, to be honest with you, when uh, like to me, when when you get that, 
OG one percenter with that tattered cut that like is in our world is like, you know, that monster. And and when he comes up to you, hey kid, come in and gives you a kiss on the cheek. That's like the ultimate sign of respect, yeah. the ultimate to where. So, but the point is, is I remember hearing all this stuff. And when you dive into it, you realize that's what toxic masculinity is. I'm like, damn, yeah, I'm an outlaw biker. And we're probably some of the least toxic people that I know. Cause yeah. I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, I ask any one of my brothers right now, yo, you, are you good, man? Because something, something you got going on, whatever. Are they going to tell me? Yeah, I'm good. It's what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I don't want to talk about it. Nah, they're going to say, man, C4, let me tell you what the fuck I got going on in my life. Yeah. They, they know they're not going to bottle it. And they know that these men who wear that patch, these men that they call brothers, that's their counsel. You know what I mean? They're gotcha. going to say, man, I, I, I can't bottle it. It's like I need to tell somebody. So they don't bottle feelings. Um, When these men see each other, man, we, we, we hug. You know, we kiss each other on the cheek. At any given time, I could be standing right next to my brother. I do it all the time. I'll just look over my brother. I'll be like, and I'll just put my arm around that brother. Come here, man. You know what I mean? I'll pat him on the back. And it, and it's never like, fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. It's, it's a, 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 an yeah. embrace because it's just that feeling of just like, hey, you know, I. you might even be in the middle of a conversation with somebody. His brother just happens to be standing right next to you. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm listening to the person. And I put my arm around that brother standing next to me. And they acknowledge that because that's an acknowledgement. I love you. You know what I mean? We tell every brother, I love you. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, that's what you say. You know what I mean? Um, welfare checks all the time. You know what I mean? Like, like checking in on, but you know, I, every fucking day, I get so many guys who text me, morning, brother. You yeah. know what I mean? That type of, just, and it might be a copy and paste thing. It's in the 30 different people. But the fact is, they consider me to be a part of that chain. Right. And I do it all the time. I have a crazy thought in my head. Man, remember this one time this crazy shit happened? And you know, I'll reminisce on a story and I'll be like, I'll pick up that phone and be like, hey brother, and even if I don't intend on having a full-blown conversation, I'll say, hey brother, I miss you, man. Just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Yeah. That's it. So there's that. And and at the end of the day, not a fear of tears. Yeah. Because I had that opened me up a lot. You know, there's so many years I did I just didn't cry at all. I cry all my fucking time. Yeah. I'm telling you. And, you know, and when you have that happen, when you have killers cry on your shoulders, mm. men who, you know, you know, I say allegedly all I want, you know what I mean? I'm not implicating nobody because I'm not giving names. Sure. But the point is people who, you know, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. Crying tears on your shoulders because something's going on in their life, but they just can't, you know, they're, they're that emotionally overwhelmed. See, for I don't know what the fuck to do, man. You know, and break down in tears. Come here, man. You know what I mean? Do that. That's that, that that's that, you know, the, the vulnerability but the difference is that they know they're not going to wallow in that. They're going to wipe their tears off, figure out what they're going to do. And the point is, is the more I looked into it, I'm like, man, it's crazy how I'm sure we might have toxic tendencies. Everyone might have, but like, yeah. it's crazy how non-toxic yeah. this thing is. This thing it's heralded as one of the toughest things out there. You know, that this, the, the last bastion of American outlaws, you know, and how we operate is just, it's nah, the opposite. This is the toxic. opposite of that, and it, it was. I remember like that being a thing. So when you mentioned something about vulnerability, yeah. I am huge on that. I do not bottle nothing, man. I love getting an emotional response from a song, and that's what I love about country music the most because it happens the most. To where, man, I could even be having a great day. My life is going great. It's not like I have anything really eating at me inside, and I'll listen to a country lyric. I'll be brush- having me the other day. I was brushing my damn teeth. There's an artist named Mitchell Tenpenny. He's great because he's got like a real, he's got a real soulful voice. He's yeah. like heralded as one of the best like singers. He 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 be singing, 
and this motherfucker sang a line of song. It just took me back to um, my relationship with my ex, who, like I said, there's, there's always going to be, I told you, there's always going to be that love there. Yeah. That I, it, it took me back. And I, I broke down in tears. Mm. And that fucked me up because I'm like, man, I'm having a great day. I'm not, <laughs> even, I'm not even like, I'm not even wallowing on nothing. Yeah. It was just like, I really, but it was just the fact that that one line resonated with me as much as it did. But I love that as yeah. fuck. I, I don't like, I don't like getting my moment ruined or like when I see something that excites me that I love, like I, I, I posted a story on my Facebook the other day, yesterday, there's this dude in Chile who does a puppet show, but it's metal. He so he has like a little puppet with a guitar, and and he does all like he he does it really well. It looks like the damn puppet's doing a thing. But I'm not talking about like the lighter, more palatable metal. I'm talking about like Pantera, fucking yeah. you know, like like heavy shit, Slayer. And he goes to like schools and kids stuff, and he does this puppet show, and the kids get into it, and he's out there ripping, and like these kids are like. You know, they're like running a circle, like a little circle pit, like mosh pit. And it's the, it was hilarious. But I saw, I, my little brother sent it to me. And I think he sent it to me to be like, almost like, yo, look how funny this is. But I was like, I almost teared up when I watched it because I'm like, I had to discover heavy music. And I know so many people who their parents, their, their parents are old metalheads. Yeah. You know, old biker dudes that like raise them up on Ozzy and Metallica and shit. So like they were conditioned, they were spoon fed metal from the from the cradle. But I didn't have that. And I remember thinking, I was like, yeah. how fucking cool it would have been if I was a that. little kid. Because I remember the first time that I heard, and it, honestly, it was it was, it was was Pantera that did it for me. It was one of the biggest metal bands ever. Like, And, and I remember hearing that, I was like eight years old, and I remember I'd never heard nothing like it. But I was just like, heavy music is one of them things where like, it's kind of like the biker world, where like, if you don't get it, you ain't never gonna get Got it. it. And I did like, yeah, you know, yeah. so if you hear that and you say, ah, they're screaming, I don't want you, whatever, that's fine. It's not it's not for you. You know what I mean? Same deal if you hear hip hop and it's oh it's whatever. It's not for you. Yeah. But with heavy but if you get it, you fucking get it. And I remember being a kid and just hearing Walk by Pantera, seeing the music video on MTV, and it was just like that hairs on the back of my neck stand. I remember just bawling my fists up. And I'm young, I'm like, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Like, why is this music just do I want to punch through the damn wall but in the best way possible? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I remember that. And I remember thinking to myself, and, and and that was bastardized by my dad. He was like, Nope, like, you know, like this is this isn't music. You know, he loved rock, but a certain level you get to, he's sure. like, now this ain't music, you know, that you know, you can't even understand it. Like, like it's not like he was very anti that. Like he hated everything about that. Like he almost kind of tried to withhold me from that. I think that's where a lot of the feelings come from. But sure. like, you know, things like that. But the point is, is I remember and I watched that video of the puppet show thing. I'm thinking like how how dope that would have been had I been that age and impressionable. And had somebody bless me that way, and I was like, "That shit is so fucking cool." Yeah. And I, I just uh, it's like a nostalgic, emotional trigger. It is, but but I I I watched that and fucking my eyes started welling up with yeah. tears, you know. Or I'll hear certain songs, it just takes me back to these times of my life and how important them songs were, like yeah. some of them lyrics. And I love that. I love that, like. You know, like there was an album by the band Hatebreed, you know, heavy one of the biggest, you know, heavy bands out there that like their their album Perseverance. So their lyrics are so very like the whole their whole basis, their lyrics is just like 
fight through everything you're going through. It, like, you'd have to, if you listen to it, you'd be yeah. like, holy shit. I can imagine being a 17-year-old kid coming off a of drug addiction and hearing this and being like, fuck, it saved my life. <laughs> and I just, to this day, man, I'll be sitting there. I call my sound dungeon if I have my headphones on. Yeah. I'm just laying in bed with nothing around oh, me. Oh, man, yeah. And I just, or my little speaker, my little Bluetooth speaker. My little Bluetooth speaker, as soon as I walk in the house, it turns on, stays on. Because oh. at any given moment, I have music playing. It's my life. Yeah. And I... I'll hear certain things and I well up with tears. Sometimes I'll fucking let the I'll, I'll let the floodgates out. Or sometimes I'll just you know get a little something and I'll wipe it. But it's just like I love that music can give me that emotional response. Yeah, because I have released a song or two to where it's been that way. Like Rain Come Falling was that, and like to this day I have bros that hit me up or like dog that got me through a dark time or like yeah. man you know I, I had one bro say that and he's I didn't even know him at the time he hit me up he's hey I, I don't mean to be weird because I know we don't know each other he was a bro from the club yeah uh, um, for another club that we're close with and he's like I've been going through it because my mom passed away recently I'm kind of lost and he's like man I've been going out to her gravesite every night and just camping out and talk to her and he said man i I took a you know I took a blunt to the face and I I played your song I laid on a gravesite played your song about six times over, and that made me tear up when I read that because I'm like man again I don't know if I feel deserving of that, but I'm so grateful because I'm like because all my life I'd ever only written heavy music or hip hop shit talking about tough guy shit because I can talk about that but the thing is is that like you know but when I really express vulnerability. In, in that regard and put out a song like that and I saw just how much it resonated with people. It made me realize like this is this feels so much better. Yeah. And then, you know, even back on that note where like, yeah, I, I'm I'm as qualified as needed to be to be able to rap about tough guy shit and all that shit. But for me it's also one of them things where it goes back to like when you really do it, and you don't first off, you don't have to talk about it. That's for one. You know, I mean, when you really walk the walk, you don't have to talk about it. That's in life in general. Second off, I'm not big on incriminating myself. You know what I mean? You know, I'm very careful with my wording. That's yeah. how the club conditioned me to be that way. Because how many times, you know, rappers have incriminated themselves and things like that. Like, you're never going to catch me doing that. That's for two. And for three, I won't lie to you, man. Like, sometimes when you have enough, I think I'm far enough into that lane to where I can live there comfortably in that world that I live in because that's what I, I said it was a choice for mine and I love it I couldn't imagine being anything but what I am now but I still am just normal enough to where I need a balance and like there's just I, I like like there's certain things that need to be an escape for me yeah you know like home needs to be about as peaceful of an environment as, as necessary when you deal with so much chaos things that the average person would never deal with or wouldn't be able to handle. I need a balance. I need some level of wholesome. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You get what I'm trying to say. Conversations like the one you and I are having. I'm I'm grateful that I was able to give you decent content, whatever the case is, but I'm also extremely grateful for the fact that like, you know, now I do get to have conversations like this to some degree, but like things like this help me yeah you know because i never want to be the person to fade so deep onto the dark side that i just i lose my intellect that i lose my ability to feel i never want to be stone i'm around some guys who are fucking stone yeah and 
it's uh that can be scary it's it's uh it can be you're right but i think that when you've it's it, in my it, for me i guess when you've carved yourself into enough of a niche of respect in that regard i don't necessarily worry about them turning what, a, well, what but, I mean, but scary as in like uh, uh, I didn't want to uh, say sad, but no. I meant in that regard, like it's scary where it's like, man, that's my heart goes yeah. out. Like, or or, or could that be me? Right. If I ever allowed myself to be that. So I need that. And funny enough, you know, it, and there's some backlash when it comes to that, too, because, you know, it's, it's I was just talking. I was just talking. It's funny enough. I, I just had dinner with my ex earlier. We had a great conversation. It was, and we were talking about it. And I was just like. Talking about a situation towards somebody that I know, a civilian, someone a non-club member, a civilian, um, who knows me, um, helps me out with something. You're watching my dog every now and then, but there's a certain level of comfortability. This person is, you know, it's just a, a personal situation, but it's nothing that deep. It's not really nothing that deep at all, yeah. but it's just a certain level of comfortability to where I'm like, I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm walking this weird line where I, I exist in this world where I command a certain level of respect. And I've earned that. And most people acknowledge that. But this person who only knows me as being someone who lives on the street doesn't really know a whole lot about, you know, X, Y, and Z. But that's also because I don't have to fucking throw that right. in that person's face. I don't hide it. It's tattooed on my face, literally. But the point is, is it's like, I don't have to be a fucking tough guy with this person, you know, when it comes to that. But I'm dealing with this thing to where I'm like, Oh, I think this person just thinks that maybe I'm just like a big dude who's covered in tattoos because I'm a tattoo artist and because I'm extra friendly and cordial with this person that maybe, you know, and but it's also a hard dynamic because it's just like I don't like having to be that way with certain people. But at what point is there, you know, a like I would never tolerate this from somebody in the world that I live in. So where's their comfortability? And it's a weird uh, line that you walk yeah. when you have this this uh the dichotomy between like the the dark side and the light side that like the funny thing is is i there's every once in a while somebody when i trend over to the i tread over to the light side again i don't hide who i am i'm very much me but oftentimes some people don't know that like you like there's so many people out there that like they don't know about the outlaw biker culture you know, they'll, they'll know the name Hells Angels because it's an American, it's part of American history, but they don't really know, you know, and and whether or not, like, that's, for my club, that's, like, the, sure. ul- the ultimate enemy, but the point is, is that, like, that's, there's, I can still acknowledge where their impact on American history has come in, but the point is, is they don't know about the world, so when they see the patch that I wear, they might not necessarily know what that means. They don't know much of it. I had someone who was moderately close to me just say to me the other week they were like dude i just like watched the fucking gangland documentary about your club and i was just and he's like i and he made me laugh he goes he's like i hope i've like never disrespected you and I, went, <laughs> I, said, I said i said i said his name mike i said mike i promise you on everything i said i hate to say tough guy shit to you because you're such a great guy but i was like if you had you'd known about yeah. it yeah and i was like but you know i'd never had to do that with you because you never crossed that line and he was just like, I really just, he's like, I knew it was like something, but I didn't know what 1% meant. He's like, I didn't know what that meant. And he's like, I'm just, and he was fascinated. He started asking me a bunch of questions. And I could answer, I answered what I could. You know, some things I, you know, obviously I can't talk about, but like, yeah. but, but that was just the eye opening thing to where it's like, wow, there's still are, there's still a shroud of mystery. There's still a lot of people who don't necessarily know 
about that. And the downside is, is that with, you know, you're conditioned when you become this to where it's just like, if they don't know about it, fucking teach them. Yeah. And sometimes you got to teach them the hard way. And, and I completely agree with that because there's a precedent to be set there. It's like if there's the notion of like, well, you're not supposed to fuck with these guys because X, Y, and Z, you know, or like or you're not supposed to fuck them. But the, the notion is, well, well, why aren't you supposed to? What's going to happen to me if I do? And it's just boom. So there's a precedent to be set. Um, thankfully, I think there's enough historic understanding to where most people don't try that line. But there's still a lot of people who do, surprisingly, wow. and who just they don't know. Or maybe they just don't care because they've never had that interaction. Like, well, you know, how bad are these guys? And you know, and it never goes in their favor. But like, that's not. <laughs> but the point is, that, but that's not my favorite thing either. Like, I don't, I don't get a rise off of off of educating a fucking uh, uh, a civilian, some barroom tough guy. I don't get a rise off of that. You know, I I don't really get a rise off of doing it regardless. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not a war hungry dude. I, I might be war tested and proven, but I'm not war hungry. Um, I don't even get as much of a rise if it's a genuine enemy, an opposition who's trying to bring great harm, you know, to me and my brothers. But I definitely don't do it with that. And it's a hard line you walk when you yeah. when you're not so far gone on the dark side that you still associate with people on the light and they just don't know. Yeah. And it's just like and that's a hard thing to where you're like, Well, I don't wanna have to be a fucking tough guy with these people, but you know, it's 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 a weird It gives a good meaning a different meaning to heavy is the head that wears the crown, oh. so to speak. Boy, you said a mouthful with that one right there. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, it's a lot. I, just listening to you explain everything, I, I mean, obviously there was a lot I didn't know about, but I was, I was always aware that I didn't know. Yes, you see what I'm saying, of course. And so all consciously this information, aware, yeah, I was consciously yeah, yeah. aware, but it was just like, man, that is. That is a commitment that I res- that I see and I respect. I know I couldn't do that. That's why I respect it because you're right. There's a lot of burden. There's a lot of things you have to keep mentally in check. You have to, like you said, you may not like and enjoy that you have to do certain things, but you know that there needs to be structure. There needs to be order. A precedent needs to be set. When I still had my family dynamic in my household before her and I had split, I won't lie to you. There's times where I've had to come home from, you know, I call it having a pizza party. Sure. You know, we'll, we'll fill in the blank there from having a pizza party. <laughs> and I I literally, like, I will close the door, be, or I will get to the front door, and I'll just whew, whew, turn it off, yeah. turn it off. You know what I mean? Family time, family, and, and have to do that. And and again, you said heavy head to wears the crown. I, uh, I use the term all the time, cross to bear. I say, and that's, that mm-hmm. is just my cross to bear. And it's it's tough sometimes, but again, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. And as and the best part about that is, it's not conditioning. We talk about conditioning yeah. for a while. It's not like, well, I wouldn't. Do, this is just all that I know. Like maybe there is a world out for me for me out there, but this is all I know. Um, to where like you have a lot of guys who are like second and third generation in a lot of like one percent clubs. Um, and in some situations it's because their, their dads were like, you're going to be, yeah, you know, you're going to be yeah. that. And, you know, and, but in some of those situations they'll be like, I don't, I never really wanted this. But a lot of times you'll see, I, listen, I know a lot of guys who have sons, you know, bros of mine who have sons that have just been around, but never joined. And I remember saying like, how comes such and such as kid 
I see him all the time. You know, he's been around longer than I have. And like, like, but he's not in. And they're like, because such and such won't let him. Mm. Because in his mind, he's just like, if you fucking commit to this, you're here. And at the end of the day, like, I don't want this holding you back. Or maybe they say, you're just not meant for this. And I have such a profound level of respect when it comes to that. Because maybe they have felt the same mental toll or emotional toll it's taken, you know, um, and they don't want them to experience that. And because it is a heavy cross to bear, but it's also a choice that I've made and it's a conscious choice I continue to make. I can leave it anytime I want. They're not going to fucking kill me if I, you know, that's, yeah. that's not, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, it's not what, what people think how maybe in the seventies, the whole, like, you're leaving a pine box type thing. Like, yeah. you know, it might not be the easiest thing if you catch my drift, but like I can still leave if I want. Um, but I accept this because it is fundamentally who I am at my core. I've never, I'm still my, I'm unequivocally myself at all times. I don't need this to be who I am. Yeah. But God damn it, it just feels great because it is almost the embodiment of who I am as a mm. person. That's why I wear, you know, my, my colors with pride because you know it's it's just it's just a representation of who I am as a man because what these what we believe in and our doctrine and our ideals and everything like that that's, that's who I am you know so you're right it is a, a heavy cross to bear at times but it's uh, a heavy crown to bear or whatever the fuck we say but the point is is it's a it's a it's a crown that I that I I I put on my head with a smile every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that, and again, that goes, uh, as I said, so much of the brotherhood thing relates to life. That's being a dad. Yeah. That's being a, that's being a mom too, for female listeners too. You know what I mean? Don't just, don't just take it as just a male thing. Like that's, that's in, uh, being a parent. Is that waking up every day being like, ugh, like my, my life was so much easier prior to this or like this burden is becoming you know, it, it's, it's tiresome at times, but it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever dealt with. And I'm going to put this hat on. You know what I mean? I'm going to wear this motherfucker with pride. Word. And I, 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 that's just, that's not just brotherhood as a life. You yeah. know what I mean? That's just what brotherhood emphasizes to me. It teaches me about these things. And like, yeah, that's, that's that. I think this whole conversation, man, is has been probably one of the dopest I've had because yeah, the whole man. journey That's... that I've been looking for from people, it's uh, everything that you talked about is like what I, what I'm trying to do on the podcast is um, pretty much in a nutshell, <clears throat> what you're seeing isn't really what you're getting. There's a lot more here. Let's break shit down and get to know. So the stigmas are broken so that the, the, the there's, the, the pages have words on them and the book that you're reading isn't just shouldn't be judged by the cover, but also sure. the journey that one takes, you know what I mean? Cause we can all relate on a lot of bullshit. We just don't know it yet because, Oh, that person looks like that. Or that person listens to that. Or that, I don't want to, I may not relate to that. You don't know that until you start breaking shit down. You start listening to stories and so I appreciate it, Will. Um, like I said, um, finally really getting to meet you tonight. But, like, fuck, man, I've had the fucking dopest conversation. And thank, thank you, very you much. so much for inviting me. And I will say on one last note, I don't, um, 
you know, as mentioned, if anybody takes from this conversation, you know, an eye opening thing about like, man, you know, maybe I'll look at these guys a little different. As mentioned earlier in the conversation, that wasn't my intention at all. Yeah, it absolutely. was just very like, I, I don't necessarily care what anyone else thinks. Um, I don't desire for people to think negatively, but if you do, okay, I'm not going to change who I am. But if that is what people took from that, that's an added bonus. And what I will say is, you know, as as mentioned, I see our my my particular nation's very kind of secretive about certain things. You know, they're they're not heavy on you know social media, different things like that. Um, that's why oftentimes you don't see guys posting pictures with colors. And if we do, you know, we we block out. You see, sometimes if gotcha. I post something, the point, there's there's reasons for that. Um, you know, obviously law enforcement type things, but the point is, is that. I don't get to talk about this type of stuff that often with people like you. And I remember when I came in here, I was like, man, I kind of wonder if, I wonder where the angle is going to be. Uh, I've done podcasts before where they'll talk about music. And it's, you know, there's a voice in my head where I'm like, I'm probably doing a bunch of musical shit that you guys don't even like anyway. You know, we're just talking about it. You just know me because I fucking am a decent rapper. But like, <laughs> but I knew that your format was different. And I knew just because of what I've seen, I was like, he's going to ask me questions about the club, but let me not be the guy to walk into it. Like, Hey man, we're not going to talk about that. Like one, you know, but I, I appreciate how tasteful you were about everything. And again, I, but cause I don't get to talk about stuff like this yeah. that often. And, um, cause most of my life is just with them. Yeah. And, and then if I'm speaking about it with other people, it's just a fundamental lack of understanding or a genuine fear of like, I don't want to tell that line, you know, and it, it, it's, I get it. It's yeah. they're not wrong for that, but it's also like, it was really cool that we were able to be able to tastefully talk about this world that I exist in as an outlaw biker. Yeah. And I keep having to say as what society, law enforcement and the government consider a gang <laughs> member, you know what I mean? Cause I, you know, they, they might not be all the way wrong for that, but I, you know, I, I don't deny the title anymore, but it's just one of those things. Like, that's why I say. But you gave, but, but you gave a very, like, one of the things that I, 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 I quickly wanted to say was that I, and I said this before to a guest that came on, um, who's her, her episode just aired to this evening who's and, that? um, Jerrica Devon, um, she was married to Jay Lilly, who passed away back in- Oh, uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Jay Lilly. Yeah, rest in yeah. peace, Jay Lilly, for sure. And one of the things that I was talking to her about was when we started talking about Jay, I I, I said, listen, if, I wasn't sure if this is something you want to talk about. She was open. I said, I just don't want people thinking that I'm looking for material, and so I'm going to start- going for the shit that people think I'm going to aim for. And so that was, that would be something that I would say to you as well. Like if you would have came in here and been like, look, not for nothing, but this is off the table. Right. Say no more because there's more to your journey than one thing. And so right. we can talk about the journey and not, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but if someone's open, then let's go and let's discuss it. But I do try to make it tasteful because I know my own life and my journey and the shit that I gone through. I'm like, man, people have got a story. People have got something that they want to share because it creates bridges. Like you just mentioned, people connect and why not put that on a fucking podcast so people can just listen to it and go, I didn't fucking think about that. It's amazing I, when you scratch the surface with certain people. Yeah. You have a preconceived notion. 
Yeah. Certain people. Would you know that my little brother, who is the most hipster of all little dorky hipsters of all time, has more jail time than I do? There you go. At the end of the day, it's one of the things you, but looking at looking at him, you would never in a million years think that. There you go. You think he's just some little kid that hangs out at a damn coffee shop, plays acoustic guitar, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and dates women with stinky armpits, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> hold on, let me stop, let me stop. No disrespect, listen, no disrespect That's to my females. Shade. I don't, yeah, it's not, not shade. <laughs> but I'm trying to say, but you would never think of that person as being somewhat, you know, uh, but when you scratch the surface, but outside of, you know, the negative stuff, more so like that. But I think that, oh, but on a side note, I, I wouldn't, I like being open-minded enough because I, I like when people are intrigued enough with sure. the world that I live in to be curious to know. I also am tasteful enough to know to where like there's a difference between a tasteful question or someone saying, so if such and such were to walk in here right now, right. what would you do? Right. You know, And then I'm now we have me on record. You know what I mean? Because we're not, listen, I have plenty of brothers who... Um, are sitting currently in state or federal facilities right now off of something that was said over a telephone mm. or a text message. You know what I mean? And the old John Gotti quote, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't put nothing right and you wouldn't want to have the judge read back in the courtroom. You know what yeah. I mean? So, the, But the point is I, I'm, I'm tactful and tasteful enough to where sure. if, if you were to ask me a question and I wouldn't be able to answer, I, just, I would just say it. But I appreciated what you did and, and it's been really dope to be able to talk about this very important aspect of my life because anytime I've ever given a podcast is usually about music which that's a that's my lane that's my dream yeah you know but it's it's not only who I am and you know yeah I just I appreciate this I, know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to keep rambling you know no, but it's it just, good, I, I really it, it was this was a incredibly fulfilling man it really right. was word well, well, I appreciate it. I'm gonna wrap it up. That's about it, brother. Thank you, man. All right, thank you. That's Will Blaisdell. I was super excited to present this. I enjoyed listening to this as I was editing, and there wasn't much editing. It was just, you know, the composition of music that was uh, mostly Will's, uh, his wonderful talent on display in this episode. Will, thank you so much, man, for coming the whole way to my crib to sit and talk about something so private and personal to you. Uh, I appreciate your willingness to share it with an audience that may or may not understand, you know, and Will makes it very clear that he's he's not really concerned about that. He just appreciated an opportunity to share some things that, you know, he doesn't get to talk about with, you know, with everybody. And there's some things that we didn't get into and rightfully so. But I hope you appreciated this journey right now. He is in Louisiana. He has moved back. So, Will. Enjoy yourself. Stay away from the gators, bruh. That, that story still makes me laugh. Um, hopefully, we get to chop it up real, real soon. Let me know when you visit, homie. Coming up next on the Journeyman Chronicles, I get to speak with Janelle Almodovar. She is this fashionista woman making her own bags. This is a world I know nothing about, so I'm excited to share this journey because she's a phenomenal, joyful woman, and she stopped by and shared her journey. Remember, maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe.